Hey guys, so I'm the Banged Broadcast, episode number 344. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing the top geek stories the past week. I almost freaked out because I was like, oh man, I didn't look up the date. But no, it's easy. It's the book's coming out July 5th. One That's day after America's birthday? Well, no, but you have to say 2017. Oh, 2017. And we follow that I'm up. all thrown off. Chris Sorry. is in the room with Sorry. us. Sorry. Then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's time for our June look back. Are yep. we June? June? Yeah, June yeah. Uh, 2017 look back. We're going to be taking a look at Clue number one. I'm trying to remember all the books. Darth yeah. Vader number one. Maybe Darth Vader number two. We could. Let's group uh, them. Batman number 25. Yep. Are we doing Aquaman number 25? Yeah. Okay. What? We're doing Aquaman? It was on the list. I didn't even read the list. I just downloaded it because I was like, I can read this on the plane. Um, well, Chris and I can talk about it. Yeah. What, uh, what else? Uh, the was Forge. It. Oh, yeah. Forge. Ironworks. Uh, Dark Days, Forge, uh, number one. Stupid bullshit. Oh, God. I have things things to say about that book. Uh, Yeah. Um, But, yeah. Did you not read that one either? I read Dark Dark Days, Forge. Not Aquaman 25. (laughs) On the list, it's written... Guys, the reason I didn't read Aquaman is because... Oh, bullshit! Because one, is Aquaman. But, yeah, you know what, Paul? You need need to calm down. I think you need a drink. I do need a drink. I need to drink my sorrows away. I need to put on a very heavy... I get to to talk about... You're in the room with us. Hey, I'm in the room. Um, Yeah, surprise. This wasn't planned, but my grandmother passed away, so came back to (laughs) Buffalo. I don't mean to laugh, but you're like, this wasn't planned... No, on the beginning, and then my grandma died. Normally, it's planned. Like, hey, guys, I'll be coming up, like, you know... I'll be coming up to snuff out my grandmother. It's planned, and it just happened like... Just happened, my grandmother died, so I'm... I'm When Chris comes to town, lock out... When Chris comes to town, big things happen, everybody. Lock out your old lady. No, okay. I I have a very dark sense of humor, (laughs) and... It helps you cope. It helps me cope. It's a coping mechanism. And the day that she had passed away, I was at work, and my shoelace came untied. And I was like, this is the worst thing that's happened today. Oh. And my manager was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. I was like, no, this is is how I am. Like... How you cope? This is that's how I am. This is how she raised me to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm a product of my my upbringing. Um, I did want to bring a beer to remember her by, but I didn't. Um, what? Was no, here, here, okay, here's I, the, I, I, no, here's no. here's the thing. Because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a beer fan. I, I like trying different stuff. Um, she would always come with me and my mom when we would go to like Hamburg Brewing Company mm-hmm. or like we went for resurgence. Um, she was always willing to try new things. Whenever I would go over for holidays, I'd I'd bring something for the table, and she would always take a sip and be like, "That's nice." I really like Sam Adams Boston Lager. That was like her like upper echelon. Like that's her Paul like four point five beer. Like that's the beer that she puts up above everything else. And I was like, "Yeah, this is my favorite beer from this brewery. That's Bourbon Barrel Age, and you can't find this anywhere. That's nice." Have you ever had Sam Adams Boston Lager? <laughs> Next time I'm at a bar and that's it's, on tap, I'm going to drink that and which it's remember. Not, it's, it's not a bad beer, but also, I mean, it's, it's well, it, you can it find is what it is. Anywhere, Paul, so. In New York but, State, we're not allowed to send alcohol to a funeral home, but now I really want to send a nice bouquet of Sam Adams oh, Boston Lager go. to the funeral she, home. She liked the cherry. They make it very easy for you to do that. But she was also, like, an American history nerd, so I oh. think it had the whole Sam Adams thing going for it. Like, mm-hmm. And she was also a big fan of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Was that the third one? With Sam Jackson? 
Samuel L. Jackson. Why are you staring at me about this? <laughs> you're the this? movie guy. Yes, that, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. I thought you were, like, is that true, no. Chris? <laughs> her, fa- her favorite movie? Mel Gibson's The Patriot. <laughs> I do like that movie. It's a good movie. What it is fun. you see? He ledgers in it. Die Hard 3. Sam Adams, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> We, no, nobody made that jump. Anyway, no, no. Connection. Here, here's That's some, a callback to episode three, by the way, <laughs> of our podcast. Check my beer, it tastes good. Yes, oh, it used to be in the intro. Anyways, here's a different thing to talk about. Uh, John brought this to the table, and this is uh, from, this is Sing- from Paul. Oh, this is Paul. I, I brought bad. the barrel aged version. Oh, I recently bad. asked if anybody had the Patriot on DVD on Facebook. No, she had it on VHS. Ah. Because I wanted to borrow it. Are you friends with his grandma? And be like, hey. <laughs> not on Facebook. No, my grandma's on Facebook. She was on MySpace. I was friends with her on MySpace. Uh, she's in your top eight. Uh, but from Single Cut Brewery, we have Heavy Boots of Lead. They're Imperial Stout. Riding high at 11% ABV. Um, single Cut. Mastery knows no shortcut. Um, I took a sip of this before. I'm going to take another sip so somebody else can kind of jump in and talk about it for a second. Uh, so this was bottled on 3-2 of this year. Uh, I put it right in the fridge. Yeah, I'm not. It, this feels like it's a little bit, uh, which is surprising that it's like it's. It tastes a little bit like it's going out. There's a little bit of teriyaki on the back end. There but is that, a nice. That might just be that chocolate malt. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's cocoa. There's vanilla. There's dark roast malts, and um, they even call out the PMW hops that they use in this beer. Hmm. I've had this on draft. It's Killer, amazing, super drinkable at eleven percent, and that is this is a super drinkable at eleven percent. I, I get more of like like the kind of roast coffee mm-hmm. on the tip of my tongue after I swallow. Like it's, I still get like a lot of just like that, like vanilla. And I mean, it, a little bit might like be cocoa. we <laughs> before recording this, we just drank four different New England style IPAs <laughs> leading up to this, so it might just be my. Me getting used to the spear, but no, I, mean, I feel like John always has to get calibrated. But I feel like none of those were like big enough that's yeah. going to wreck your palate. Mm-hmm. I, I think this beer might just be kind of there was no celebration. Honestly, yeah, maybe much. maybe it's just how it like it traveled before it got put into mm-hmm. the yeah. fridge where it's been and sitting. We um, it was chilled, and we kind of just left it out on the counter <laughs> for t- two hours to, to warm, warm up. up. Um, so maybe something like that going from the chilled. I don't know. It's not a bad beer. No, it's good. I like it. It is a little thick. It is thick. But that's that's okay in a big multi stout. You know, uh, you want yeah. a little thickness. It reminds the the not the flavor, but the mouthfeel reminds me of that s'more. Or not s'more, but the uh the uh marshmallow um down in Florida. Oh the this the sweet potato, potato, the funky yeah. Buddha sweet potato casserole. Yeah. yeah. Just the on the mouthfeel. The mouthfeel, I can see yeah. that. Uh, I do get a lot of vanilla, a lot of molasses, and then the cocoa, and then at the aftertaste is all the coffee. It's um, what I'm getting now. It is a lot more that vanilla y, cocoa, coffee y. It's not as teriyaki. Yeah, I, um, I, I think it was just kind of shifting gears in my mouth to, it, to get there. But it's like something you said before, though. I, I could see this almost being like a barrel aged one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like on right the nose. Yeah. on the nose, it smells like that. And we actually have a uh, whiskey rye barrel version of this beer that we're going to drink after this. I mean, guys, what's doing? It's the 55 IBUs. I mean, we didn't talk about that before, but clearly that's that's what's doing it. And now that I read that, I am getting a little bit more of a hop bitter. 
bullshit. No, it's it's not bad. I put it at a three point two five um, on first sip. I think I would raise that up to maybe like a like a three point five. It's not bad. It's definitely not a go to, but it's it's, it's, a, it's a solid offer. Eleven two. I mean, it's pretty smooth. I mean, you finished you finished your glass yeah. already. Uh, it's it, it goes easy. It's very easy. You wouldn't know this is eleven two unless you read it on the label. Yeah. Um, it's this, it's it's not as bad as that first initial sip. I've I've really grown to it. It's kind of livened up on my tongue. It has a nice sweetness to it. It's not as sweet as something like the creme brulee from Southern Tier, but I would kind of put this in that same kind of that yeah. same field where mm-hmm. it's it's a big boy. It's really easy drinking. It's not as syrupy sweet. I mean, it does have like a little bit of that like sweet on first sip, but you know, you said before it could just be the traveling or what have mm-hmm. you on that teriyaki. But no, this is. I if this was the first single cut beer I had, I wouldn't be turned off to them as a brewery. Like it's, I'd be like, no. okay, like this is hey, this guys, is decent. This is a solid four. This, this <laughs> are you is, really giving this a four, John? What do you make fun of me about? That you give everything a four, four. and then you're like, I don't know what I'd like if it or not because I give everything fours. You're right. I like this. This is a four point two five. This is good. I would seek this out again next year uh, because single cut. Uh, it isn't. I haven't had a problem finding them as they come out, but you know I do have a connection. Yeah, <laughs> you don't uh, have a problem because I save them for you. Yeah, that might be true as well. Uh, I, I, it's still not as good as like KBS every year. Like KBS, I'm always excited about. Um, but it, it is in that realm. It is. I'd rather drink this than creme brulee out of the bottle straight up. Creme brulee after a year and a half, eighteen months. Me creme brulee, eighteen months old, over this, and I yeah. think those I think those two would scratch a similar itch. Uh, I think so. Definitely, the vanilla really does pop in this, and I mean, uh, it might have something to do too with it being having aged a few months. Like even a few months are gonna change a beer's quality. Yeah, but at eleven yeah. percent, and it's also stout, and it was also in the fridge. Like all those factors should lead it to be to slow its aging process, yeah. right? Am I am I wrong there? No, no, you're right. But like I I have I have had this on tap at a bar that is known for keeping their lines clean, and I don't remember it tasting exactly like this. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. You know, John goes to the cool bars and doesn't invite us. You know, That's well that was when I was in Rochester for training. And it's hanging out with uh, Joey. I don't know Peter's brother. Oh, okay. Cool. He'll eat your dinner. <laughs> he will. Well, half of it. Anyways, uh, we got news to talk about, right, guys? News. There's some news, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, there were some trailers that were released. Yeah. Uh, one for an IMAX-filmed experience that is premiering in IMAX, but also on ABC for the first time ever. Because it's a stupid idea, right? Like, yes. Well, it's like what, like a month before it premieres on TV, it's going to be premiere on in IMAX. And this is Marvel's Inhumans. Um, this is Marvel bringing the the Inhuman royal family to the small screen, but the big screen first before they come to the big screen. Yeah. Uh, it definitely feels like they took the small screen and just stretched it and stretched it and stretched it until it was too thin. It's, it's on the big screen. And this is something, like, we started talking about this pre-show because 
I really wish that they had invested more heavily in this, knowing that they were filming it on IMAX cameras, mm-hmm. and this was probably in the plans to like debut this big screen, the what must-see it? event. It was in plans to be an actual movie. Well, that's still... In the plans, though. Like, what? I don't. Is it still? In the I, th- plans? I think it's still in the plans. I, it's been pushed back. Though. I feel like it got cut to be I a think TV series. I think it's still in the plans. All right. I'm googling this now. When they were like, you know, oh, Captain America, the, what was? What were they? What did they put up on there? Serpent Society first. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we don't really like that. That let's we can do better. It's Civil War, and what's coming out next? Inhumans, and well, Inhumans Infinity was always War. like further down. Yeah, yeah, the, further the line. line. Yeah, but they, but that was back when Avengers, in what Infinity War was one and two, part one and part two. Now it's Infinity War and Avengers unnamed project, our untitled project. Uh, yeah, this one I feel like there is no gravitas to any of those characters. It looks like the soap opera done version of Game of Thrones set in the Marvel Universe. Like, the lighting isn't quite right. The actors that they got have playing, like, Black Bolt? I'm sorry, that guy does not have the gravitas to hold a scene without saying a word. Yeah. But see, it feels like he is an omnipresent big character. He, he fits none of the screen. He no. is a sliver. His and his brothers got it more yeah. with uh, the the but guy from the kid from uh, Misfits, Misfits and, and Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. But even he seems so his name, like Rowan, he, yes. something. Yeah, he just, he, he's he's. I loved him as Simon on Misfits. But, but he looks so off put. You know, he just reminds me of like an emo kid, like Miss. You know, well, he's playing Maximus, um, yeah. Black Bolt's brother, who's basically like performing a coup and overthrowing mm-hmm. the inhuman royal family. Yeah, but he doesn't have any... I, I feel like he's a sleazeball, so I'm not really rooting for him. Black Bolt has no presence in that trailer whatsoever. He's he's showing a lot. He's he's running. Yeah, he's there, but he's not there. And then I feel like even they like watch the whole trailer and like, oh shit, there's nothing here for anybody to be excited about. Let's say I Lockjaw again at the very end, yeah. and like have him do something funny. But and I'm it, like, that doesn't even work. But even in like, humans, it's fallen off of the schedule for release. But Kevin Feige said in an interview with Screen Rant, um, possibly Phase Four. You know what I heard though? Uh, the producer from Sony said that Lockjaw is going to appear in the Venom movie, <laughs> <laughs> and also take Venom over into and he's going to pop up over in Black and Silver and also in Spider-Man so therefore they're all in the Marvel U for how bad Lockjaw looks but, and it's okay. not that bad no, but they could have the just got a dog to do the stuff and then just superimpose them big in there Lockjaw that would have looked better. Lockjaw doesn't look bad when you look at it through the lens of like oh this was something that I was watching on ABC like yes, this this would be passable as like, yeah. t- like, primetime fantasy sci-fi. But to have it be the must-see like Marvel event on IMAX because Marvel doesn't really do the IMAX movies. Like if you see it blown up, it's just them basically stretching the proportions of it. I, I, they should have funneled more money into this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm surprised they didn't because I don't know uh, when when they debuted or started showing stuff off for Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. I was there. I was like, these are. These are characters I can see myself caring about. Like, it's an interesting idea. I enjoyed that show. I haven't watched TV, but when I start 
trying to catch up. Agent of Shield is going to be one of those shows. Well, Inhumans, you also have the heart of Phil Coulson. Yeah, Agent Casper. But Inhumans doesn't have anything that makes me yeah. want to care. The quality of how this was shot and how it looks looks exactly like in the '90s when you had the TV. The generation generation X, X. yeah, and how you had uh, even like um, the the Doctor Who on on Fox there, there it it looks like a TV movie, mm-hmm. and if you're going to be doing it in IMAX and doing it like this, it should look like a movie, and it, you want a coaster? Yeah, I was trying not to say oh. it so I didn't disrupt the show, but yeah, no, I feel like every okay. time I put my glasses on, it's making you're more on a sound. plastic table. You're not going to hurt. No, no but every saying for noise, yeah, for, for sound. No, every time I put my glasses down, it makes you can have two glasses. John's going to be a jerk. Uh, of course I am. See now you got my dog thinking that somebody's at the door. Ah, screw that dog. I I, I just feel like. They could have done even better with the hiring of the act. Crystal, who I love ever since the Marvel uh, Marvel Action Hour. Remember that mm-hmm. bad cartoon series of both Iron Man and the Fantastic Four? Maybe didn't even, Crystal would show up on that. Her hair looks better in that crappy cartoon than her, her hair in this. I, I see the hair being hard to do though. Yeah, with it, like that band and like the circle. I, I didn't think I didn't think that looked. Too bad. Yeah, I, I didn't mind that. Like, because that's something that like I noticed when they like first kind of like pan across that table mm-hmm. and you see her sitting on the side. I was like, oh, that's definitely Crystal because blonde hair, black man in circle. They're, on they're, it. What is it? Ken Long from from Lost, Lost and uh, Force Awakens is, is Karnak, which I thought he didn't look too bad. Yeah. But then they do the big pan out of the whole citizens getting all upset and riled up, and it's all just extras. Like, there's nothing special about them. There's no like weird inhumany thing going on with any of them. They're just like, oh, he's kind of painted a little purplish. Yeah, it it. I almost feel like we're talking too much about it. Yeah, it's I. I wasn't going in expecting a lot, and I'm just kind of sad that the trailer sold me that I was right. Like it's the problem with inhumans. The, the lockjaw teleporting effect looks kind of cool yeah. though. So yeah, the, it's got that going for the it. The sand swipe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the problem with Inhumans is that it needed to be cooler than X-Men. Because that's what it's trying to be, right? Like, it's trying to be the replacement for X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's supposed to be. And in the comic books, it hasn't been. And now even in this TV cinematic universe, it doesn't look like it's it's even close. Like, it's, it's not even... A, it doesn't look as fun as even the 90s horrible, you know, X-Men... Uh, cartoon series. No, but which launched two great video games. But a fun, Genesis. a fun trailer we did get was for Foreigner Jum- with Jackie Chan, <laughs> Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Wow. Hey uh, guys, we 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 got, we got the Jumanji trailer, and I didn't hate it. I I think this looks kind of like you know a what's fun- cooler than board games, video games. An Atari video game. No, it looked like a. No, it looked like an Atari. It looked like an N sixty four that they pulled out. What? What were you watching? Because no. it had four controllers. This, I, he, what? We were making him read the books that he yeah. didn't read. So, um, I, I did not hate this. I, I think this looks like a fun movie. The Rock, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan, and then <laughs> The Rock Jack and Kevin Black. Hart back again. Back again because they did Central one. Intelligence. It was fun. Um, it was a fun movie. It. This looks fun. My. My issue 
and you can call this fanboy griping, is yes, they switched it from a board game to a video game. You don't really need to make that jump when you just have a group of kids in detention trying to distract themselves. Like, you could still have them sucked into a board game instead of mm-hmm. a video game. So it's one of those things, like, it doesn't matter, so why does it matter that they switched it? Well, it doesn't, but it matters. But fanboy griping, like I said. Mm-hmm. I feel like, in a way, that, and this is uh, projecting, that, in a way, that the Jumanji game has now grown that, oh, the way to get people to play is no longer a board and maybe evolved into the video game to oh. get people because how I mean are kids quote unquote younger than us mm-hmm. going to be more into plugging in a retro video game or setting up a board game and I think that's kind of where they're going with it no that's, that's true I think kids are more likely to play a video game than a board game but again if it's just a group of crappy kids in detention who don't want to work like oh there, there's this old board game here right that seems like a better use of our time. Mm-hmm. But... But, it, it, but again, like I said, it's one of those things, it's a change that doesn't matter, so why does it matter? Well, because it doesn't matter. But well, Robin because... Williams, they bury that game, and he's not letting anyone dig that up. That game's never coming out. So it's got to be a different game. And also, in the movie, they might want to incorporate things that are very video game-esque. Like, we see the one character getting eaten by yeah. a hippo. So the idea of respawning... That is a very video game idea. But I feel it's like not at that, so much on... And I'm sure this is something that will be addressed in it, because when I saw that, mm-hmm. like Jack Black's character getting eaten by a hippo, it's like, well, at that point, it lowers the stakes because they're mm-hmm. in a video game. Like, if this is like the kind of like, oh, well, they just have another life. They respawn. Mm-hmm. I know it will be addressed, but, but, but you at only that point, got three like, lives. Well, but why, why even have that? Yeah. Or you have a certain amount of lives between the three of you. Or the four it of you. And then it... Yeah, I, I, you're manufacturing drama that you don't need to manufacture. If it's just like no, like it's still death defying. Like you still can try to get away from things. Mm-hmm. But you're going to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it looks and fun. Also, also, the idea of them becoming these different characters, I think, is more, you know, I guess Clue, which we'll be talking about later. You do become become a persona a little bit when playing the game. Yeah, but I think that's more of a video game When you game play idea. the board game, you're like, mah, 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 I'm Cradle Mustard. No, basically you pick the color that you like. Yeah, or the color you can see. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about becoming a... I well, can only see white. Hey, Mrs. White. The only thing I could think of other than becoming a character, you know, outside of video games, on board games, was like saying, like, okay, Clue, you do... You don't see, have I would say characters. more like... In, not to get weird about like Sheriff of Nottingham is well, where you play characters one. more, right? I, I do. I've never played Clue as a persona. I'm sorry. Oh, you've been playing Clue wrong all these years. I don't think so. When you make an accusation, you got to take the character's voice. No, no. I've never, I've never done that. Oh, I'm well, sorry. It's okay. Well, I'll say. You've been playing Clue you're all just, wrong. You're basically just doing the murder mystery game from The Office when, like, they're waiting <laughs> to find out if their branch is closing and, mm-hmm. like, Michael's making everyone do, like, the Savannah murder yeah. murder house thing. Which is fun. Uh, what other trailer uh, came out or thing? We didn't have a... I don't think there was another trailer, but uh, something that was confirmed with fanboy... Uh, 
fanboy theory was from Iron Man 2, the young boy that you see at the Stark Expo wearing the mask uh, that gets almost shot at by one of the, the hammer drones. The hammeroids. Uh, it's, it's been confirmed from actor Tom Holland, who's playing Peter Parker slash Spider-Man in Spider-Man Homecoming, that, yes, that was a young Peter Parker at the Stark Expo. I, I don't like this. <laughs> and, and it's simply because it's like it's all like it's afterthought. Like they yeah, basically yeah. like saw an opportunity to like eh, make up make up a Spider Man. Yeah, it's it's trying to expand the universe, but as they try to expand it to include Peter Parker, they're actually shrinking the universe by being like, no, no, that kid has no other adventure. He is he's going to be Peter Parker from now on. Is it interesting because? Will it ever matter? No, because they're never going to have a flashback to that. Yeah. Are they? If they do, okay, cool. But does it really matter that you get a 5 second, 15, 30 second flashback to Iron Man saving this 11 year old? He has to be 11, right? Because. No, that that kid was little. Right, so now you're automatically aging Iron Man quite a bit, right? Because Peter Parker is a sophomore. Yeah, a sophomore in high school. So what is that? Fifteen, right? I don't know. Look at me. Yeah, fifteen. I was held back. <laughs> well, I guess you couldn't tie your shoes when you were in kindergarten. That's uh, true. You're welcome. I remember things. <laughs> so he's so Peter Parker's fifteen, sophomore. So how old was he at Stark Expo? And this is why you don't do this. But that kid's younger than ten. I don't know kid ages. Looking at that, he's probably about like. Well, six what's or the seven. difference? With, what's the time frame of the the movies? That's, when did, that's the when argument. did two come out? That's the argument because now you're placing a date uh-huh. on how spaced out and far apart everything is. So if he's ten, that's five years. That's a five year gap between Iron Man two and Captain America: Civil War. That's a long time to have happened in well, between those two movies. Iron Man 2 was 2010. Right. So if they... Yeah, in real world. But we're yeah. talking about the movie world where... We're basically... They're getting together the Avengers Thor, Like right Thor now. and Iron Man like happen within like a week of each other because Coulson gets the call mm-hmm. that like something's happening in New Mexico. Yeah, and like hammer, That's where he goes next. Ball, and yeah. he, they go and like the hammer's there. Those movies came out like a year apart, though. You, mm-hmm. so, so, like, timelines, like, real world has to be stretched out more, but actually, in-universe, everything's a bit more condensed. Heck, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 happens three months after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. But they the let movie, you, movie came out three years before it, though. But they let you they let you know that. Right, and the now movie. they're letting us know that with the age of Tom Holland's Spider-Man showing up in Iron Man 2. And that's my problem with it. Like, yeah. they try to expand the universe by including Peter Parker back then, but all it does is hamstrings and shrinks their own universe. Because you got people like me that stride, we start doing the math, and we try to see, make sure it makes sense. And then when it doesn't, we have to like take things out and pull things apart, and the whole foundation kind of starts crumbling a little bit more and more and more. My That fourth wall is very thin. Don't make it thinner. I, I understand. That's I, all. Yeah. I uh, I saw it and I said, "Oh, okay." And I just left it at that. I didn't do any math or any extra thinking and just went, "Oh, okay." It's kind of it's kind of stupid, but okay. Wait a second. 
So when things happen, the masks don't just start floating in front of your eyes? No. What? I'm not the Cinderella man. <laughs> Chris, masks start throw- floating I don't, in front I don't, of your eyes, right? I don't like masks, but again, that's, that's why I didn't like Jumanji. the shoe horning in. No. Yeah, oh, but Jumanji I don't like because of video games. Oh, I... Atari video games. Which the graphics are uh, way too sure that wasn't an N64. The graphics are way too good for it to be an Atari. Yeah, and also it wouldn't have four players on an Atari. It looks like an Atari system though. It's it's more, got wood grain. But if it wasn't if it was an Atari, oh, so it's that a would Jaguar. still that would still place it at the time before the kids actually played Jumanji because that movie came out in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're talking about time and but, movies again. But when was Peter Parker? Wearing an Iron Man mask. That's that's the thing. Present the day. Because mo- the movie the movie came out. Whatever. Did we have more news or are we gonna talk about beer? I don't remember. Uh we got some oh, box office mojo. Box office mojo. Oh, math. Alright. So Transformers the last night, guys. We uh talked about how we were recording on a Friday or a Saturday and we didn't have the full weekend numbers. Guess what? Now we got them. Now we got them. But we're recording on a Thursday, so we don't have Whatever's releasing this week's numbers. Uh, Transformers, the so last night, opened up with $44.7 million. That's right, I only round up to the nearest tenth, so 44.7. That uh, is too many people to see that shit. It is what is what happened, though. Hey, guys. Okay, uh, hey, guys. Baby Driver came out on Wednesday. Uh, well, okay, we had Transformers going up against Aliens Covenant. So this is one that we can actually... Yeah, we can call it. We, we can call. I had and Transformers. I had Aliens. And what one? Transformers. Transformers. Wow, I'm actually surprised. Uh, not by much. I mean, just by nine, $9 million. Okay. Yeah, but percentage-wise of those two movies, that's a lot. <laughs> because the maths are floating in front of my head right now. Man, Baywatch still only made 18.5, which is so surprising. Has the house come out yet? No. Because no. I've started to see... Like, I start, yeah, trailers, I've started well, to see the buzz about it now. Now I know it's about it's Will Ferrell and... Yeah, um, and Amy and Poehler. Poehler yeah. <laughs> Even though we talked about that, now I know for sure because I've Chris, seen clips. Chris, you know when uh, the house comes out? I this don't. weekend. Does it really? It comes out on Friday, the 30th, a.k.a. tomorrow, with Despicable Me 3. Oh. And Baby Driver. Baby Driver Baby came out yesterday. Yeah. Came out uh, Baby yeah. Driver is on the list, though. Yeah. It was originally on the list. We cut it for some other bullshit. Yeah, because it wasn't coming out. But I think out that's going to be one of the biggest movies of the summer. Right. But it wasn't coming out on the weekend, so. Which is weird. Uh, it, it was out. Uh, my wife and I went. Um, Tuesday, the cheap days, to go see movies, it was out on Tuesday. And we ended up not going to see it because it wasn't a cheap ticket. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I was super tired. Because um, I was brewing beer all day at Flying Bison Brewery. Uh, hey! hey. Pe- Plugs! Do the math. Now you know where John works and who John weather- John is. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know where it works. Where? Uh... <laughs> They can do the maths. They can do the maths. Uh, but yeah, we went there, and uh, it was going to be normal price ticket, and we were just like, and I had a really annoying girl, like a teenage girl behind me who was going to it, and I was like, I don't want to do it. As much as I want to see this mm-hmm. movie, I will see it any other way than with this this girl. I don't think we're going to see it because of the Gosling. He's not in that movie. Oh, which Ryan is it? No. There's no, there's no, no Ryan in it. Oh, but anyways, that movie's not even. I'm on our thinking list. of Driver. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of Driver, totally different movie. Uh, uh, and I think uh, the only little bit more of news that we have that I think we're actually we're going to save to talk about when we were talking ourselves was uh, more and more info has come out to say that um, the directors of the Han Solo movie may not have had the same vision and what they were hired to do mm-hmm. that Disney wanted to do. You mean the guys from the Lego Batman movie? The Lego movie. The Lego movie. And 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street. Uh, we're hired to do a what kind of movie? A Star Wars. A Star, Star Wars, Wars spin-off kind movie. of noir crime movie. And what kind of movie were they filming? They started making a off-the-wall comedy. The guys that did the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street. You're saying they stuck to their wheelhouse? Uh, yeah. Um, and it actually took the actor, uh, Enring Arnunjian, who's playing Han Solo. He's got a crazy name. I'm okay. sure, still not sure how to say it. Um, it took him actually going to producers to say they're not making the right movie for them to then look at what they were doing and then were the producers then to go to Disney for them to say they're not making the right movie. Uh, and the actor playing Han Solo, they act, Disney actually, after seeing his takes, brought in an acting coach for him mm-hmm. to kind of get him back online. But if they're seeing dailies and expecting a dramatic or serious role and he's playing things more comedic because that's how mm-hmm. the directors are pushing him to do it, yeah, um, yeah you're going to get kind of something funky. And even the guy who is the script writer who actually recommended the two to direct the movie was also saying that he was being shut out, that they were making script changes on a script that they did a pass on and signed off on are now making changes and taking the franchise or what they were going to do with this movie in a completely other direction. So it does come out a little more negative on those two than just creative differences. Oh, no, no, that's, that is legitimately creative differences. Like, you get hired off of a resume. You assume the people that are hiring you look at your past things and be like, oh, this is what they do. This is their wheelhouse. They must be hiring us because they like what we do. But at the same time, you have people saying, okay, uh, we like what you do. This is the movie that we want. There's conversations between writers, yeah, you, you directors, want. producers, all of those to say, okay, this is the movie we agree upon. Mm-hmm. And then while filming, they go rogue and start doing a completely different movie. But from what I heard how you described it, it sounded like the producers weren't involved until the actor shit said, guys, guys, look over here. No, no, pay attention. Uh, they're fucking up. Well, a lot Excuse of time, my like, swear words. Those, those producers aren't always on set. Those producers mm-hmm. are making, bringing in the money to produce the movie, and they're not always on set watching everything because they're they're expecting those people to be following the script. They're busy at the money factory, just cranking out that money. And they got to work to crank out that money to give it to them. One of the other things is the movie should be wrapping soon, and with um, Ron Howard coming on... They're reshooting it it all. It sounds like they're reshooting it all. It's going to be another five months to make Mm -hmm. this movie. Well, the thing is also, uh, what I was going to say, 
is if you looked at what Rogue One ended up being, it was a war story set in the Star Wars universe. So I could, you know, it feels a lot different than any other Star Wars movie. It feels like a departure. So oh. I can't blame the two directors being like, oh, they hired us. They want like the different a different take of a Star but, Wars film. Yeah, and that's one. That's one thing to think like, oh, they brought us on board to like to do this. But then when you're presented with the script for it and like this is what the story is supposed to be, and then you start going off script and doing what you want. At that point. Mm-hmm. But, but I, the best. Luke, but the, here's the thing: okay. Lucasfilm has to have somebody there watching all this stuff go down. So I, I don't, I don't put too much stock in like any of the reports that are coming out. Like we'll see what kind of movie we get when it comes out, because it's Lucasfilm's not going to just trust one of like the franchise's biggest characters to two people and then be like, eh, like go, go ahead. But we're all just, Star just Wars nerds. It. We yeah. know what is the what is the most Han Solo line ever delivered I know I know and what was that ad-libbed it wasn't in the script it yeah. was that so I'm saying you guys are like oh you gotta stick to the script but then again I'm not saying you have to stick to the script but when you just start completely disregarding it when you make a crime crime caper action movie into and a goofball comedy and then Paul, why Paul, you hide big departure uh, I'm Paul listening. I'm okay listening. Was Empire Strikes Back a comedy? No. Okay. Did they hire a comedic director to direct that movie, though? But here's the thing. Uh, okay, Apollo 13 is directed by the man who made Splash. Right. When he made that movie where they're like, oh, the guy from Splash is making that. He came in and said, this is this is the vision. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. And then he made that movie. So when you come in with somebody and say, this is the vision. Yes, we agree upon this vision. And then when you start filming the movie, go, man, we're not going to do that. Is that how it went down? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, everything was signed off. The script was signed off. They had rewrites that they did mm-hmm. that were then signed off with the direct, with the directors, the screenwriter, and the producers. Mm-hmm. And then they started going AWOL. Even when they further. started filming, they started changing complete things. They were cutting out the scriptwriter who was saying these aren't the right things mm-hmm. and trying to work with these guys because he's the guy who actually recommended the screenwriters the guy who recommended them as directors right there's a difference between making a comedy and then a movie with some comedic elements or right. jokes to it mm-hmm. and this is I think where there was the creative differences that yeah. were uh, mentioned when they, they parted ways with uh, Disney and Lucasfilm because they were making a completely different movie from what Lucasfilm wanted. And I don't blame Lucasfilm at all. No, I, um, I don't either. If you go online, go to YouTube.com. It's a website. I'm sure you can find it. Uh, and just search for Hyperspace Hoopla. Okay. This is something that was happening at Disney's Hollywood Studios, or at the time it was called MGM Studios, where they would have like an annual Star Wars weekends. And during that time, every day they would have the hyperspace hoopla, which was basically a Star Wars character dance party where Oh yeah, the dance off. Yeah, like the characters would come out on stage and do like dances to pop songs. And it was very all lighthearted and It's a dance off, bro. It was a dance off. And here's the thing, as soon as that all ended, like they they canceled it, they stopped doing it. The next year it was announced Disney's buying Lucasfilm. <laughs> so Disney's actually they're treating this very, very seriously. And 
I don't blame them. Like $7 billion, what do they pay to buy the Lucasfilm stuff? They want these characters portrayed in the best possible light. That's going to keep them timeless and relevant. You definitely don't want a crystal skull on your hands. The Han Solo movie was not going to fit into that mold. Whatever the movie is, whatever it was, whatever it's going to be, it wasn't going to be what Lucasfilm needed it to be mm-hmm. to sit on the shelf alongside the rest of those Star Wars movies and the prequels. They wanted them to make... <laughs> Sorry! And the prequels. They wanted them to make a Han Solo, Solo movie, not the next Spaceballs movie. Right. Which and we I, might get. <laughs> Fingers but crossed. I, I'm saying I don't fault the directors from doing what they were doing either because if I, I'm hired I, onto a I project... I fault them for going against what they signed on to do. Yeah. I, I do too, and I here's the thing: is you have many comedic directors who then make serious movies or change and mm-hmm. get hired on to do other things. I mean, even like you think like um, if you think uh, the guy who did Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh God, yeah. Uh, but he's made movies like The Lovely Bones. Uh, he made Peter uh, Jackson. Peter Jackson. He's he's made horror movies and serious movies when he's hired on to do a serious movie he's not making a crazy fantasy epic he makes the movie that he's set to make and you don't expect supernatural crazy but then when you he's he does his own stuff when he makes his own stuff that's what he does but he's made serious movies I mean the lovely bones about (laughs) uh, heroin uh, addiction yeah that's about it I'm sorry child that gets killed and then the ghost watching the Family deal fall apart, and it was one when the person like like on heroin. I don't think I don't think that, I don't think that was a big. Oh, that wasn't that the wasn't big part? the big part of it. The oh. more was the the family trying to solve the murder of the girl being oh. killed. Okay, my bad. Uh, sometimes you get dead alive. Sometimes you get Lord of the Rings. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. but in Lord of the Rings, you do and that then in the middle, Peter Jackson. In thing. the middle, you have the Frighteners, which is a sweet spot. <laughs> But there are tons of directors who are comedic directors who then take on serious roles. Uh, Mel Brooks, who produced... The producers. Uh, the producers, but also took the producing role of The Elephant Man and didn't direct it was because he didn't want people... He wanted to make a serious movie, mm-hmm. but he knew if his name was attached as director, people would think it was just yeah, a Yeah, comedy. Spoof. But, I mean... People make these choices here or there to make movies, and I don't think just oh, you hire the guy from Van Wilder, expect a crazy comedy. I think people who direct movies, when they sign off on what they're supposed to make, they're supposed to make that movie. All right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Just to to put this in into like the terms that he used, um, they were making it a zany take. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards a screwball comedy oddly comparable to Jim Carrey's performance in Ace Ventura at times. Oh, wow. I don't want that Han Solo movie. No, no. I, I don't want it either. And I don't understand why they he think He raised his concerns to a producer who went to Luke's film president, Kathleen Kennedy. After reviewing some of the footage, Kennedy decided it was best to move on from Miller and Lord. So, I'm just Mama saying, Star Wars. I, I'm just saying, I, starting, I want Kennedy. Star- it sounds like they're starting from scratch with Ron Howard. With the original script, everything's still in place... I'm but su- they're going back to I'm zero. I'm surprised it took somebody raising their hand, getting it all the way up to Kathleen, for them to finally realize what was happening. Well, if they're looking at it and they're th- seeing it and seeing the not all the dailies, they're just showing them clips and they're mm-hmm. seeing the performance. The studio was like, ooh. And they hire an acting coach because they don't understand that 
this man Shoot. is being forced to play things goofy. super broad and goofy, yeah. and they just think he's not acting well. Right. And that guy finally going, listen, no, I'm a, I'm a good actor. You can see me in roles. I act. <laughs> I, I audition. I, I still haven't seen Hail Caesar, but I want to. He's, he's amazing in Hail Caesar. He is really good in Hail Caesar. A, I'm just saying. But the, his scenes in Hail Caesar is what's happening in this, oh, where the it? director is like, teach, try, like teaching him how to act and them having to get an acting coach to help him. It's really bizarre. I, I'm just saying to Chris's point where Disney should have somebody on I, I feel like they day. should have someone there. And it yeah. shouldn't have gotten to this point. They well, shouldn't have gotten so long. And the, the directors, if they're going along and just filming, 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 and they think it's being seen by somebody, and they're like, oh, we must be doing great. No, and I... So, I uh, in one of the, the articles that you can, you, can, okay. you can read, like, they're starting shooting instead of, like, a night... Like, oh, let's call at 8. You're supposed to be shooting at 8. They'd wait till like one or two, and I'm pretty sure they would wait till people left, the producers left, to then start shooting. Like they were playing the game pretty shady to okay. try to make this movie under everyone's radar. And then when they finally got caught, we're like, eh, all right, we'll walk away. Like we don't give a shit. Okay, now that's that is where we needed to start at at that point. Like. I don't know why you were defending them so hard. Because on it, if you get hired for a job, you assume that they like what you did in the past, and you, that's what they want you to bring. And that's all I'm saying is, you know, like, and it sounded like there was this huge disconnect. Oh, the disconnect was caused by them? Yeah. Okay. That's the issue. That's the problem. <laughs> like... I feel like we spent way too much time talking about this. No, no, we, gotta, we have to talk about this beer because I'm almost done with it. This is the barrel age. This is the barrel age, which I don't think is as good as the regular age. It was. It, I lose there's a, a little sweetness. sticker on it that says it was aged in rye whiskey barrels. So yes. that might be what stripped off some of that sweetness because now it's being replaced by that rye. But I, do you get the rye? I don't, but I think it's the rye just kind of like very it basically like scrubbed it. I get. I still get a lot of the marsh, uh, marshmallow vanilla. I, I then, still get like the cocoa coffee, like yeah. kind of that coats the tongue on the back. But and then on top, it's like if I, I took a marshmallow and then sprinkled some rye seed on top of it and then ate it, and there was only like one or two seeds of rye. Like that's what I'm getting from it. It's like if you all my marshmallow on top and then a little bit of rye. If you really get into the glass, you can smell the rye on the nose. Um, yeah, but it's. It's not there in taste. It just really... It's a really poor version of the normal beer. I, I would probably place the regular single-cut mm-hmm. um, Imperial Heavy Boots of Lead. Yes. Ab- above this one. Even though this wasn't what it should have been, I, I think it's still a better beer. It's like the barrel was brought in to like try to make <laughs> the... the and then as soon as they, the producers went home, they started producing whatever the heck they wanted without telling anybody. I, I will say it's still not bad. I, I would still be able to yeah. drink like a, yeah. a bunch of this. To me, if you just gave me this as an imperial stout, I would drink it and say, oh, that's not an imperial stout. Telling me it's a barrel-aged version, it doesn't doesn't deliver for yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. You guys know what else isn't delivering? The book's coming out this week. You know what, John? 
What book are you looking forward to this week? I am not looking to forward to a single book this week. Oh, so you're buying multiple books this week? No, I'm actually, uh, if I'm going to buy a book, I'm going to be breaking into my wish list. Hmm. And what wish list book are you buying? Uh, I think I'm going to go Quantum Teens Are a Go. This is uh, Black Mask Publishers, uh, and this is written by Magdalene Vizagio and Claudia Ara. Uh, Mad Scientists. Mad science is the punkiest shit there is, and these teenage sweethearts, Nat and Schmish, spend their nights uh, breaking into abandoned super labs and stealing parts to build a time machine. Hmm. Crazy, zany, wacky things happen. Sounds fun. Do they happen? I don't know. But it's in my wish list, and why not that? No, I'm, I'm in the same boat, just like I was last week. There's books coming out that I'm buying, but it's... Green Lanterns, number 26, Nightwing, 26, and Wicked and Divine. Don't remember the number on that one. It's just like my my go-to book, so I'm probably going to pick up my book for the next Straighten Policy and read that. And what book is that? Do you want to know? Yeah. Do you want to know? Yeah, we have it on the Google. We have it. Because we have Jones. I'm actually going to pick up Vision Volume 2. Wow. Okay. We had done a volume 2. We've done the... The Earth One, the DC ones. Oh, uh, yeah. I but also, like those don't count. I, I kind of agree. Those are Elseworlds. Um, but no, I think we had a really great discussion based off of the first one, and I kind of want to see where the book goes and just kind of maybe how reading this one, mm-hmm. you know, changes our thoughts or continues just on. It's a good time to buy it, too. Is it cheap? I haven't looked at it yet. No, just like, oh, I got nothing yeah. else I'm going to buy. Oh, yeah. Buy it. No, it's a good time. But so, uh, are you, Paul, are you looking forward to something new or different, or are you kind of in the boat with us? I'm definitely in the boat with you, and in fact, I am kind of like so on the boat that I actually I'm down in the brig of the boat. Uh, I'm looking forward to it's a bird, the uh, oh, okay. the second printing of a, a uh, critically acclaimed uh, book from Stephen S. Siegel and Teddy H. Kisserson. Uh This is about a writer, a like a newspaper reporter, or a writer. Like in a kind of a surrealist uh, metropolis, writing about Superman from the ground level, which is a book that I have purchased in paper trade years and years ago that I have never read. So when you say you're buying this book, you mean you're just going to reach over? I might actually reach over. You're going to walk over the two steps to your shelf and get it. (laughs) Actually, are you going to mail it to Chris to read? Why? It's not my trading policy. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm just when kidding. you said like, oh, I'm in, I'm gonna be in the same boat as you, Chris. I thought you were buying it for trading policy. No, no. If I sorry, then if it's either gonna be the volume two or uh, Afterlife with Archie, which is three issues, which that is don't it, that actually end the series. Yeah, so I probably won't do that. Fall, but I like kind of want to go see the Mark Wade Flash run because I started with Jeff Johns on the Flash. So I kind of want to see... Because everybody says the Mark Wade Flash stuff is really good. Is that right before Jeff Johns? Yeah. He writes it up, and, and then Jeff Johns takes it. Mm. And then Wade comes back with Bartholomew, with uh, Bart coming back. Well, Wally and the Speed Force and all that jazz, and then Bart being the Flash and all that. All that jazz. And then Mark Gutenheim takes it over. And then I forget. 
shifting gears again. No, yeah, no. That, this this beer gears. shift gears mid drink too. So like that's I, I I enjoy this because it's not what it seems like it's going to be. Um, yeah, and we won't talk about this next beer because we just talked about a beer, and we we're really quick on our. Uh, Anything to talk about for the list? List. Um, you're doing the. Who's reading? Oh, you're reading. Okay. I'm reading. Okay. And now, a dramatic. That's a lot of words. From Night Force number one, page nineteen, <laughs> panel five. Oh, he looked at me. He had hate in his heart when he looked at me. That was some red. That was some no. red lantern shit okay, right there. If not, there was a red lantern ring like floating anywhere so near us, hate. it would have just like. Boom. Not, Why not would to, you expect anything else? To, not to cut off the dramatic reading, but this is literally what happened. Is Paul has it loaded up? And he looks at me. He's like, okay, a lot of words. And then John says, "Night Force." Paul like turns his head, and gives him like the side eye, like bitch. <laughs> You fucking playing me like this? Can I honestly say, like, I looked, I looked, I pulled up my what what's in my uh, in my library, and almost all of it are trades. And I cracked open one trade, and I was like, this is I don't want to do this. And I cracked open another one, and then I was like, nah, I'll just do Night Force. It's always there now. It's always there. I don't get rid of it. I just pick a new panel. I feel I feel like I'm being broed. I, I feel like I'm being what is it called? Bros, Bryce, Ice and Bros. Yeah, this is Bros, yeah. Night Forcing Bros. Paul, well, this isn't new. I know it isn't new. It's so it's so not new. It's spiteful. I picked a wordy one too on purpose. Specializes in psycho babble, mumbo jumbo, to entice naive rubes to pay large amounts of money of undeserved money. Don't forget, suspected con man, suspected thief. Right, suspected of, let me see, at least three dozen major crimes. <laughs> and that was a dramatic reading of Night Force number one. You've read many of panels. Page 19, panel 5. I hope listeners listening to that, if they're on their car... Oh, you can hear the hate. <laughs> if they're on the car stereo, they feel like their windshield wiper fluid just sprayed them in the face. Like, that's how much hate, venom, that I just spit into that mic. I hope it hits them. You hope it hits them? <laughs> in the face. Listeners, I don't hope it hits you. If their death happens because they swerved off the road, that's on you, John. Not on me. My grandmother just died. <laughs> In a car accident. Nah, in the hospital bed. But are we going to talk about the beer? Was she reading I don't know if her. Let's, uh, let's at least let's get... Could have been. Could have been what did it. Just boom. Blood vessels. Uh, why don't we get into a couple... Um... Do we have another beer? We can always have... I, I didn't know if there was anything uh, else on the docket. He's got two empty Nimble Giants, and I feel like we have to drink that together because in two Nimble weeks giant. we would have had it together. Yeah. yeah. And also, I bought four packs of it, Yeah, and I'm down to three. Okay, well, since uh, since I'm here and we have other beer to drink, I, I do want to talk about this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Founders, and this is the next in their Barrel Age series, and this is Doom, uh, an Imperial India Pale Ale that's been aged in bourbon barrels. Um, I had this warmer last night when I uh, first tried it, so 
it's been sitting in the refrigerator. I do recommend letting it warm up a little bit because after it warms up, you get a lot more of that bourbon barrel on the front end. And that's saying something because right now, if you take a sip of this, it's a lot of just that bourbon vanilla sweetness. And then after it washes over your tongue, that's when you get that like double IPA kind of like hoppiness that kind of just coats your tongue. I really like this beer more than the other ones that we've had from the Bourbon Barrel series, like the Legend of Cause, the Fruitwood. This is, I think, the sweet spot for founders. I think this mm-hmm. is what they're good at, taking good beers and then barrel-aging them. I, I think Fruitwood and Lizard is just, they were trying to do something different to barrel-age. Mm-hmm. I, I think they just need to to stick with what they got because I, I really dig this. Um, I think this is a perfect melding of an IPA and a barrel-aged. You get both. I get a lot of barrel on this. I get a lot of that woody, and then a, then a hit of vanilla as well, and then slowly a mellow undertone of IPA. Not much there. Not it's not super hoppy or anything, but boom, it's that woody, that woodiness, which I really enjoy. Wait, what? We we've actually we had this before when it was released as an anniversary beer in 2013. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's when well Paul never checked in on Untappd, but I think it's when you weren't know. checking I yeah, in. I don't think I, I actually checked ever. you. You never checked into okay. it. But it's a beer we actually did. It came in a bomber bottle, mm-hmm. uh, a lot like Bolt Cutter. Oh yeah, and we've we've we had like it on Bolt the Cutter. show. Um, I gave it a three and a half when we had it in 2013, mm-hmm. July nineteenth, two thousand thirteen. So we're we're almost there mm-hmm. um, with it. What, tomorrow's July 1st? Two Saturday. Days. Two days, yep. Um, it is a really well balance between the double IPA, and this is their double trouble, mm-hmm. which it's really funny that they brewed double trouble just for, just to barrel age it, because they haven't brewed double trouble in the last couple of years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I, I was going to say, answer. I saw it at the brewery, but that's also when I lived in Michigan, and that was like two years ago now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Man, but we haven't that seen... long since I did a beercation? Yeah. I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary with Disney. Like, oh. it's crazy. We need to meet somewhere and do beercation. Um, Red Oak. But we kind of do that. Like, when the two times Chris has come back, yeah. we basically do that. And when you guys came down, we went to Angry Chair in um, yeah. Cigar City. So it still yeah. happens. The sweetness of the double IPA, I think, balances with the bourbon. You get that bourboniness to it. It, aside from KBS, and I almost feel like KBS almost doesn't deserve to be grouped in with what they're doing for these barrel-aged beers. Um, I feel this is the best one we've had. I agree. Uh, the other thing is, is I, it almost feels like they shouldn't be doing Doom, or if they are doing Doom, don't give me Fruitwood, give me, like, other barrel-aged beers you've done before. Mm. Make this more, like, bring back like, Bolt Cutter, or do, like, uh, the Merry Monk, which was that big raspberry beer aged in bourbon barrels um i think it was it was either last week or a week and a half ago now is they had their annual founders fest where they closed down the street in front of the brewery they set up a stage they have bands come play um blues traveler was like the headliner this year uh 
on on their Instagram, they had a picture up of their tap board for the one booth because they have different booths set up with different types of beers, and one of them was like like a cellar raid one, and they had CBS oh. on tap. I'm still holding out hope that CBS mm-hmm. is going to be one of the ones December. that they, they pull out. Is it December? It's December. It's been solidified. I have some inside trades. Okay, it's December. What, what is for listeners that might not know? CBS is what? CBS is the Founders Breakfast out. They're kind of like go to mm-hmm. the number three beer in America. We didn't talk about this <laughs> uh, in the Week in Geek. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the number third rated beer in America. Um, but it's aged in Canadian maple whiskey barrels, mm. much like they aged the breakfast out in the Kentucky bourbon barrels for KBS. And it's fantastic. It's sweeter. I, I prefer it to the KBS. I do uh, like the KBS. I, I would agree. You age KBS a year, then I like that over the CBS. But um, math ages. Uh, I found this off. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, we were talking about He's it. He's having phone problems. Um, my, my, my problem with their barrel-aged series. So the first beer is Fruitwood, and then we got KBS. Then we got... No, we had Lizard before. KBS. Lizard of Cause was not part of the barrel-aged Oh, I thought series. it was. Nope. Okay. So you got Fruitwood, you got KBS, you got Doom... They're doing uh, a malt beverage aged in bourbon barrels. Oh, it's going to tear it off the frame, guys. Then there, but, but it, it could be good. Look, it's something like the old habit, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That then, from uh, mm-hmm. Ithaca. Then they're doing Backwoods Bastard, and then they're doing KBS. Those are the six beers they're doing this year. So there's only two beers in that thing that are new beers that are untested from what they've done before. To me, I mean, like, uh, they, they did Old Curmudgeon in their Imperial series, mm-hmm. which almost feels like the Backwoods Bastard should be in their Imperial series. It shouldn't be in that kind of that barrel-age series. Because Old old Curmudgeon is aged in oak barrels. It's an old ale aged in oak barrels with molasses. If you're going to do... Almost all your beers, your tra- tried and true barrel-aged stuff, except for two new ones. Just give me those two, something that we know that we've had and would like before. Even if it was like the Black IPA aged in bourbon barrels with maple. Um, the Black IPA was really good. Which, I forget what it was called. I think it started with an S. Dark Penance. But it's like, mm-hmm. do that again. Do, See, I'm, do Bolt Cutter. Do... do I'm if okay gonna, with like two of those slots just being for something new, just to just to see, because you know it might not make it a rotation. Yeah, it might not have worked this year, but next year if they do something different to kind of fill in that slot, we could have the next CBS or KBS or you know Doom. I I I love this beer. Like, what this is something I would I would drink a lot of if it was presented to me. I don't like Rubia straight up because I think it's too sweet, but mm. barrel aged chat, I might be excited. Like not in a, it doesn't need to be bourbon, but a whiskey barrel or even a rum barrel might yeah. be really good with Rubius. And, and if you have two slots open, just to be like, we're gonna try whatever we want to try, cool. Because the six other, the four others might sell. And drop Fruitwood. 
I didn't I didn't hate it as much as you did, but I was, it was a I good was disappointed. It, it was yeah. It, it looked good on paper mm-hmm. though because it, it, it was basically like, hey Paul, you know how you're saying you want Rubius aged? Yeah, this might be it. And then you're like, no, it's not no. quite it. But the same thing, like even but, but it's, it's raspberry versus cherry. Right. But at the same time, Lizard of Cos, everything about that sounded fantastic. Mm-hmm. Still haven't had it. It's, I own it. I brought you a bottle. Did I bring you a bottle? Yeah, I brought you a bottle. Didn't we drink it together? No, no. you got drunk. <laughs> you got drunk the night you drank that. Yeah. Well, because I had had you that. Passed out. We that was the a, second time. We had to go back another day to finish that podcast. That was the second time I had had it though, because I had had it like once before, and then Lexi went to Michigan to visit family. And when she came back down, she brought me a bottle of it because she was like, "Oh, they had this," and then they had um, backwoods bastard too. So she grabbed me some of that. Like she was like, "Hey, here you go." Like, I was like, "Oh, I wasn't mowed by this, but." Honestly, I still drank the Lizard of Cos. Like, it's a founder's beer. Of course, I'm Lizard of Cos was very interesting, and we've we've talked about it on the show that, like, colder you got more chocolate notes, warmer you got more blueberry notes. Like, it was something that as the glass warmed yeah. up, you got a different beer, and I, it it that didn't wow me. Fruit didn't wow me. This I've had before. I would still give it. I'd give it between. Uh, 3.25 and a 3.5. I give it a 3.5 four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's pretty reasonable to give I, it I I give put, it the same. I put this up in the fours. I I think this is, you said balanced earlier. I think that's the perfect word for this because it's a great combination of like double IPA and a bourbon barrel aged beer. Like it's, it hits the notes that I want from both of those things. Um, I don't think I don't I don't know where this would go aging it, and I would be fine grabbing a couple and cellaring it to maybe next year and trying it again. I, I'd like maybe a little bit more of the IPA to kind of like spring up instead of just like the hop at the back end. Um, the other thing is, but the double trouble on its own, like when you drink it, it's just like that hop dry. Yeah, so I don't that I don't know where else this of, can go. The multi sweet mm-hmm. hot, but also there, it's, been, not, yeah. it's been years since I've had a double trouble. Yeah, I remember it being uh, good a hoppy sweetness and then all drying all yeah. of that just IPA at the back. It's end. kind of that old school double IPA too mm-hmm. versus what we've been getting now in certain double IPAs. It wasn't a beer that I went back to often just because it, that's not what I look for in an IPA or a double IPA. So. But you know what? If it came back out, I, w- I would try it again. I would definitely yeah. grab it again because I know it's been years since I've had it. Um, I don't. I don't poo poo doom. I'm glad that they brought it back. There are some other barrel aged beers that they've done that I would have liked to have seen or like them to have done a barrel aged version. Bolt Cutter being one of them. That was an amazing barley wine. Yeah. I don't remember if that was or wasn't barrel aged, but that was a great beer. I was excited about these barrel-aged beers when they announced it. I am mm-hmm. less than impressed by what I've gotten from them, in a way. I Maybe I just expected more out of Founders, and they, they did what they delivered to do with what they gave out. Every beer is going to be a hit or miss. Uh, we just had... We drank yeah. Trillium beers... And the best thing we had from them, and they're known for doing IPAs, was a Kolsch. And I've had beers from them that I'd give a four. Mm-hmm. We had everything that I think didn't surpass a 
like a three and a half. Yeah, I think like the most I gave was a three and a half, and that was for the Kolsch. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's just. Oh, I was like, I gave everything a four. <laughs> I gave something three point five, three point seven five. I gave the one, the A Street, which you guys didn't really like, that bittery IPA. I gave it a four point two five. I liked it because it was a bittery one. It was high IPV, uh, ABV, and it was a nice sipping beer. I that really Kolsch was, was a higher ABV. Oh, really? Yeah. But the Kolsch, I was like, oh, this is good. This is a good pale. It is I a good pale. It's 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 the it's least a good like a Kolsch that I've ever had. But I didn't. But it's the best Kolsch I've ever had. Well, okay. Uh, then KBS is the best porter I ever had. Just because you call it a porter, you know, if you slap porter on the label and then told me and sold it as a porter, and me being like, oh KBS, yeah, that's the best aged. You know what I mean? Like for me, I would put it, I would family it with a pale. Oh, I, I definitely say it's a, it's a, it drinks like a pal to IPA. On my taste buds, it's but a pale. They're brewing it the way you would brew a Kolsch. They're just hopping it with different hops than you at, would a Kolsch. At which point, I make my, I will, I will humbly suggest my argument for an IBU, which is, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do in the brewery for me like honestly the end the end experience is all that matters for me like i want to know what the end point is i don't care if you brewed it as a kolsch and it turned out like a pale ale i want to know it turned out as a pale ale because when i go to the shop i want to know what i'm buying taste wise i don't care how it was brewed Like, don't say that you were making a third-party strategy game and then it turned into a third-party shooter. Uh, so I already mentioned. I already mentioned that I I went to Flying Bison and I brewed a uh-huh. beer with the the own, mm-hmm. quote unquote owner and the face of the brewery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I brewed a Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Hefeweizen came out to be like in a seven percent Hefeweizen. That is following not a, uh, sub, <laughs> don't go off that IPU, right? right? Like that uh, but ABV. We, we brewed it the exact way you would brew a Hefeweizen. We didn't use crazy hops. We did what you would do to brew that beer. For some reason, when we checked, beer. that's what I we checked the, the we, when we kept checking the gravity. It started at twenty six, which is huge. We wanted it to drop down to an 11 by the time mm-hmm. we finished everything we needed to do. It didn't get below. It got a little bit below a 15, and then when we put it in to ferment it, it had gone back up to a 15, which is going to be around a 7% uh, half okay. of A 15, uh, what is it? You're using, Specific gravity. Yes. Bricks, it's like, you brick, guys got to remember, like bricks of gravity. But when you do the math, to, to, that is what shows you what your ABV is going to be. Right. So when you do the math problem, it turns out to be 7% when this beer should be 45 to maybe 5 But we we did what you how you were supposed to do it. For some reason, it's just different. Right, right. I'm at the crayon factory, <laughs> and I'm mixing together colors. But and I'm okay, doing everything that the recipe says that to make red. But, here's the thing, but it comes that, out blue. 
at that point, though, you're dealing with like waxes and pigments. Like you, you know, beer. You're dealing with yeast, and that's alive. And it just depends on the yeast that you're going to get and how it's going to interact with the sugars and what the alcohol is going to be. Like it's Chris, it's I'm a man's crushing, game. I'm sorry, I, I, you're I, talking crayons. We're over here talking beer. With Paul. The, with I'm crushing. The, I'm crushing weird flowers in order to get the pigments. I'm crushing this flower. I'm. And that's, I'm getting these well, we used, that there's a wax that's we yellowish. Used, we used Canadian Canadian wheat. So you're blaming Canada. <laughs> well, we get, you didn't take into account the fact that there's a uh, exchange, exchange rate, rate on the wheat. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we used we used wheat. But, we used malts. We did we and, and two different types of two different types of malts with our wheat. You boil that. We don't add the yeast till the fermentation process. So the gravity has already has already like been hit and this is where it's going it's going to be. Like it's it's a it's a crazy math game that for some reason this beer is just turning out crazy. But we did everything to formula to build to make a wheat beer that should be at four and a half to five percent. And he doubled it. <laughs> I got like a seven percent one. Yeah. I said, let's just. Hey, that's where. What the are the IBUs? <laughs> IBUs are actually pretty low. Good. We uh, we did the math you on those it. as well. Did but you learn those maths? I didn't. I didn't fucking bother. I, I let like I let a math. I let a master quote unquote brewer do it. Yeah, and he tried to brew a hefeweizen and got you a seven percent alcohol high <laughs> So. He was really confused the whole time. He's like, oh, this is this isn't really a Hefeweizen. This is more of like a a Weizenbach. And I was like, ah, let's let it go. Let's and do it. I'm okay with it, John. Steal the brew. He's like, sir, you can't you can't just write things on the brew. So then, do you label it? As, that, that's my whole point here. Is like, do you label it as a Hefenbach or Hefenbach, or do you label it as a Hefeweizen? You you went in trying to make a Hefeweizen, but you got a Hefenbach. Which I've never heard of before, listeners. So don't. It's a there. thing. I can. I'll bring you some. Sure. <laughs> Nobody listening to this show has ever heard of a Heffenbach before. Is it a Weizenbach? A Weizenbach before. A Wheatbach. It's a. It's a Bach beer made with wheat. Sure. Except just primarily malts. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Whatever you say, four eyes. <laughs> Whatever you say, Miss I, Mr. I can't do the maths of the IBUs, but I'll let somebody else do it while I screw up a beer. Uh. <laughs> like, so do you label it? Like, how do you label it? Do you, what are you, how I are think you? once the beer finally comes out and we taste it is when we're, and we know exactly what the, the gravity has come because adding the yeast it might totally change, but it's it's the end game of where the beer is. If this beer does not taste like a Hefeweizen, I don't want to call it a Hefeweizen. Right. And exactly. especially if it's at a seven percent, you gotta make sure people know that it's not your normal thing. So I'm just saying that's why if you taste the Kolsch and it tastes like a pale, why the hell don't you just label it as a pale? Well they're calling it a they call it on the can a Kolsch inspired beer so they're brewing a Kolsch but they're using the so they hops did the, that would make it more hoppy more of an IPA so they so it should have said Kolsch dash ish yeah and I think saying a Kolsch inspired okay 
works especially for a brewery like Trillium, which are known for making New England style hazy IPAs. But you can't. We started this whole crazy tangent. Sorry, everybody, with you saying. But it's a gosh. I thought we were doing this just to finish these beers so we can open a new one, and you're not done with this double. No, because I'm spitting mad about the whole thing. And we're talking about books that came out in June. June, Right? Yes. I've been trying to log into my account, into somebody else. Take a pause and finish your beer, Paul. It's been crazy. And that'll bring us right into our first issue, and that's clue number one. Yes. As include the board game. We all played it. We all know it. It's not yeah, as only fun. one of us actually made up like <laughs> character roles. You should. Like, why wouldn't you? Because I'm the investigator. I'm not. I'm not playing someone as the investigator. No, no, you are. Uh, uh, this is written. When you announced this book, I was mm-hmm. like, man, I gotta. I'm gonna go home and watch Clue. Guess what I did? Watch Clue. Darn good movie. Mm-hmm. <sighs> One of Tim Curry... I was drinking the beer. Uh, one of Tim Curry's finest. Mm. Uh, this is written by Paul Aller and art by Nelson Daniel. And let me tell you, Paul Aller really likes the idea of, like, breaking down that fourth wall with the butler. Uh, he constantly is like, nope, nope, this is a comic book. They're all involved in a comic book. And we're telling a story about a murder mystery in a comic book. Uh, here we have, you know, basically the plot line of Clue with Mr. Booty. Uh, body. Body. Well, it's two D's. Yeah, but it's still a body. Okay. Is it a Bootingtons or a Boddingtons? Either or. <laughs> it's Boddingtons. It's a Boddington. Uh, so, uh, inviting over a cavalcade of characters to his mansion for with dinner. With some ex- new new people. Yeah, well... Dr. Orchard... Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she was invited. Uh, <laughs> she was invited! She was, no, I was thinking the detectives, you know, the two detectives that show up and also... Yeah, Amarillo. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, very good hop, Amarillo. <laughs> and here we have them all setting together in this mansion, which they would never not get, have an opportunity because it's the largest mansion in New England that they're going to even though it's raining cats and dogs outside and the bridge might just be flooded over the only way in or out of this island that this mansion is built upon but they're excited to have dinner with Doctor, with Mr. Body uh, and they all have their special reasons and don't worry the butler is here to serve as our guide along with this dinner and also to point out the clues guys did you get any of the clues? Because even in the, and then in the three pages, which change between which issue bought, yeah, uh, which I you're thought, supposed to get, yeah, more clues. I have to cause people to buy more books. For yeah. this is, I wanted to punch this book in the face. It's one thing if like you're reading along and you're like, oh my gosh, like I noticed this. This is fun. But to sell is like, no, there's clues in the books, and you need to buy the variant covers to get the different page which will give you more clues I saw absolutely nothing in anything like I don't even feel like it's a money grab because I didn't have I didn't get enough clues while reading it to feel like I was actually getting clues like I I honestly don't don't you don't realize that to like it's like he, the butler tells you mm-hmm. that that's what you need to do. You've mm-hmm. already gotten home and you're reading it. 
It's a pop-up in a in an iPhone game, like saying, "Hey, if you want a power up right now, spend fifty more cents right, and get a power like, up." If if you in that purchase, if you hadn't bought this digitally, and you went to a shop and bought this book, you've already gotten home to read this book when you realize that there's other things, and then this book tells you that it's shit, mm-hmm. and that you don't need to do that. Right. Buying the digital copy, you get just whatever yeah, get. they give you. Which, hey, how do how then do I buy the other copies? Probably Google it. I was gonna say I I don't mind this book. I kind of liked reading it. I like mm-hmm. the idea behind it. I like that it's a murder mystery. I don't feel the need to read anymore. If it was purchased and put in front of me, I I would check it out mm-hmm. because I I have that kind of curiosity to see if like maybe I get some more. I I do have like two things that I noticed in it, and it could just be like random bullshit. But who knows? Ooh, spoilers! What were the two things? Okay. Uh, when they sit down for dinner, there is an extra place setting at oh. the table, but there's nobody there. Uh, everything seems very deliberate. It's a fancy dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, the We've fact that there'd be yeah, the fact that there'd be an empty like another place set at the table mm-hmm. with nobody sitting there seems a, a bit odd. Uh, and Unless then, they're very proper, and then you must have a balanced table. So therefore, if there were six people on one side, you always have to set set six places, even if there's only five guests. Yeah, but at that point, you just have someone else. <laughs> Sit there. You don't have him at the head of the table, but I don't know. No, no, um, no. The 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 person that invited you has to sit at the. You know, there are the weird, um, like dear Abby rules. We for this. But regardless, uh, we have like we can see who's standing around mm-hmm. at the bottom of the staircase when there's the shot fired. Right. Upstairs. Yeah. You so, can see that. Like, you you kind of have an idea of like who it might it? not be. Unless they pull some like Agatha Christie, like someone set someone else up to do something kind of thing, mm-hmm. or um, just Agatha Christie bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but then at one point they're playing pool on mm-hmm. one of the tables, and then there's like the pool cue is pointing towards the orange ball, which makes me think it could have been Detective Ochre, Detective Oker, mm-hmm. who's not at the party but on his way there before someone's actually like shot and killed. Hmm. So I, automatically, I didn't think it was either uh, Miss Scar- or yeah, DJ Scarlet or whatever the correct but name is. But at the end, when they gave like their quote unquote clues, like oh, we give you extra clues. The the, the random page that they have. They're doing like a song title. They're doing a they, he the butler like sings a song. Oh, and I was like, oh, they're trying to say it's her. But she was one of the pictures. But yeah, I was going to say... She was at the thing when the gun went off. But to me, The song he's singing is very, like, militaristic, though. But at the same time, it's like, oh, we think in the book, Miss Peacock shot body, but then somebody killed Mrs. Peacock. So then it makes me think, like, oh, is it, like, Clue where, oh, multiple people are killing? Like, oh, yeah, you killed him, but I then they got killed and they got this... Which is also very like murder. Uh, on not, the Orient uh, Express? No, on the the Nile. Whatever that one from 
Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie is... They're all Agatha Christie books. But why not just go with On the Orient Express? Because everybody killed the same person on that. Oh, uh, okay. You just spoiler alert spoiler for the alert. movie coming out. Spoiler alert for the ninety-year-old uh, book. But the movie looks good. I don't know. It's an interesting idea for a comic book. I just wish they hadn't made it where it's like, oh, if you want to get some hints, you got to buy everything. Because even the page that we had for the digital version that was purchased, mm-hmm. it really doesn't Do, give you anything. Yeah. Like you see two people digging. You see two of the detectives like mm-hmm. digging around in a study. They find a knife and like a book that's out of place. Mm-hmm. The book doesn't give you lose any friends and isolate people. Yeah, doesn't give you any hints as to anything that you've already seen. Mm-hmm. So at that point, like you already. M- probably have to read the second issue to figure out what that clue means because you how many issues is this i thought it was a one shot i don't know i thought it was a one shot yeah. too no it's not i and i that, noticed that it was an issue book that's why i was like man as much as i love clue i don't want to do this and then when you said you were going to do it i made you buy it i picked it up i pretty much said paul, paul buy this mm-hmm. I, I i forced his hand yeah, he did uh, so I purchased it and I read it and I'm not upset that I read it but I definitely don't want to buy an issue 2 there's nothing here that drives me nothing would make me read issue 2 I would read it I wouldn't ever want to purchase it right yeah, if like, somebody it, gave me the trade I want to be like oh F you dude and throw it in their face but I I would read it and I'd be like Paul's, and I prob- Paul's gonna make us read it for a trade and policy I can no. tell it's, it's well not- maybe four p- trade and policies down the ri- road but, uh, it's not great, not but I, we've read we've we've read worse books. So, I mean, there's mm-hmm. that. We didn't talk about the artwork. The artwork's not bad. Oh, like yeah. it's it's kind of like your standard IDW book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, there was stuff that just oh, this marble was brought over from Africa in 1842. It's not fucking real, dude. It's a comic book. I don't give a shit. Why make about that? World, 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 world. Building. Ah, Mr. Body's got money. I would rather it be more about the characters and how they do the characters. Now, John, you and I, we like the board games. Yes. Uh, IDW, this isn't going to be their first and only board game tie-in comic. They're also doing... Monopoly. No, they're also doing Walking the uh, Dead of Winter comic book series, focused around the stunt dog character. I don't um, even know. Like I've I own and I've played the game like two or three times, but I I don't know that character because you're that game has multiple characters that you pick at random. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like Clue? <laughs> no, Clue. You don't pick them at random. You pick. Well, basically, you pick the color you want or the okay. character you want. I loved Christopher Lloyd, so I always picked Professor Professor Plum because that was the character he played. Mm. I always want C- Colonel Mustard. I honestly don't even remember. <laughs> I, I would have loved if you said, I always played Mr. Body. <laughs> no, I, I, I had a clue. I remember playing it and loving it, but I, I don't remember if there was like a certain piece I gravitated towards or anything. Uh, I have to say, one time that we were playing, I totally cheated because my brother was sitting in front of a mirror, so I saw <laughs> Like, oh, they used to saying it. Uh, one of the games I love playing a Slytherin, straight up, apparently. <laughs> totally Slytherin. Uh, I have uh, Clue 
Museum Caper, which <laughs> was a 90s game that I've made Paul play. It, it is a good... It, it is a frustrating game when you first play it because it's... So, you know, because it's one of those hidden movement games and it's just so difficult when it's the first hidden movement game you play. Yeah. Versus somebody that's played it since the 1990s. I didn't play it that much. And plus, I was a dumb fucking kid then. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely... It's it's probably my favorite version that's of Clue, but it's... Eh, that's beyond the point. Um, I think this book could have been done better. I feel like it was... We got this idea. It's a cash grab. Uh, that guy had a decent pitch. Just, like, have him do it. Or we have that guy at retainer. Just have him write it. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing about this that really grabs you. If you were going to do this, Clue, the movie, has a cult following. It was a flop mm-hmm. in the theaters, but it was a hit on VHS. And there just because is of the a star cult, power. There is a cult following behind it mm-hmm. make it a bit like that and I feel like I having con. having the butler be mm-hmm. the in point kind of that Tim Curry Wadsworth character who gives you those mm-hmm. things but even then call him Wadsworth have them drawn a bit like those actors have it work out yeah, that, yeah, the rights on the movie yeah. versus the rights of the board game yeah you know. but even still you could just you could just give the guy arching eyebrows and call it a day I feel like you could have done it better and brought people in with more nostalgia than they did because they're adding they're adding characters to it right but, but they're at adding, that point this is this is clue based off the board game this isn't clue and adaptation of the movie from the 90s but you have Doc, is Dr. Orchard a piece to play no but the thing is mm-hmm. John you don't want to okay. know that Ochre, whatever. No, you wouldn't know that until you open up the book. Yeah. So the, it's the people buying it on nostalgia. But we, but we did because we read the solicitations and you told like you. Yeah. We're we're inside the bubble. If you're talking about getting those I, people outside the I bubble, I feel like to buy if you're book, going into a comic book shop to buy comic books, mm-hmm. you're looking at previews. You're knowing what's coming out. I this went, is. Paul, did, Paul didn't, though. I never read previews. I would go into the shop every week. We would talk about yeah. books. How often did you buy a book just by the cover? You bought your books. If it was something that Don... You know, if... He had the $10 limit on the credit card. So, when it came to the recommendation... Yeah, but a lot of... I feel like $10. a lot of times you, you, you realized... He doesn't like the same things I do. I'll pick something yeah, up. Yeah, but with, what would was, you would no, you no. pick up Clue? Yeah, if it was to bring me over the ten dollar limit. Yeah, hell yeah, I would have. And what what was great about Don and why I kept on going there is because, granted, he didn't have the same taste as I did, but he knew my taste, so he would always offer the book that would fit my taste. Like he gave up on the hundred bullets for me. <laughs> he gave up on. Like all like Watchmen, he gave up on all this. Like when I tried to buy Watchmen from him, he's like, "No, you won't like it." I'm like, "Yeah, I know," <laughs> but I'm buying it because I know I won't like it. But it's one of those books. He's like, 
all right, good on you. You know, it, he didn't say good on you, but you know, he yeah, he, that, he was a, he was a good shop. I mean, that's the guy who sold yeah. you his own copy of, of Starman, Star- which you have on your shelf that I own now because I had it down there. Now I have board games there because I gave you my Starman, and, and now I have the Omnibus. And we bought we bought you the omnibus, some Omnibuy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I feel if you are a fan of the board game and if you are a fan of the movie you would be let down by this. It's not even a good... I feel like it's setting you up to, like, follow the clues, and you're... I read Looking for Clues, and I was like, I don't know, I heard a gunshot, and they showed me four characters. Yeah. So I know they're not that. And then later on when they show them, I'm like, kind of feels like they're pointing towards that character that I saw. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was well done. I don't think it was great. No, I... If you're a fan of the board game, there's no story in that board game anyways, so why not? But if you're a fan of the movie, skip it. Watch the movie again. Rent it for three ninety nine because that's how much this cost and a digital it's rental is three ninety nine. It's on Hulu right now. It's on Hulu for free. Well, if you don't have Hulu, it's on Hulu for eight ninety nine. You could probably watch it on YouTube in parts. Yeah. Uh, John, the rest of the books we have are actually all yours. So, which one did you want to get into next? Uh, uh, let's c- let's go alphabetical and let's do a quick talk about Aquaman Rebirth. How okay. About that? Uh, so, we're Aquaman number twenty-five. This is uh, Dan Abnett, and jumping on to art for this book is Stefan Sijic. 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 This is um, Van Rice. The artist that actually did, whatchamacallit, uh, Red Queens for like three or four issues and then oh, disappeared. Okay. Uh, so, previous to this book starting, um, there was an uprise from what looks like the lower... I, I haven't been reading this book. I picked it up because of the artist coming onto this book and it being damn Dan Abnett. Dan Abnett seems like he's been reading the last story arc leading into this. Um, but the art just looked pretty killer, and I was like, "All right, it's to me like the Marvel Thoring of Thor with killer art." Let's pick this up. Uh, but this comes up with uh, Arthur Curry being killed and a new emperor rising and running. Um, Atlantis. Atlantis. Thank you. I'm sorry, I'm feeling these beers. And sorry. I'm almost done with my Nimble Giant. Uh, Spoiler alert. And then uh, the king kind of coming in, taking magic out of the hands of the people, collecting them to use them on his own. And uh, it's... It's a good jumping on point if you've been hearing good things for Aquaman or if you wanted to jump on. I don't think I would continue on with this book, but it's like midway through the book you have Arthur Aquaman going like, oh, I've been friends with the Batman and he uses fear and disguise to you know, cause the enemy mm-hmm. to fear you. So I'm going to do that. And then at the end of the book he stops doing it. And he's just like, hey, I'm Aquaman. Look at me. Yeah. So it's 
in a way, it's kind of it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be a different Aquaman book, and then at the end, you're just like, oh, he just let everyone know he's Aquaman. That sounds like a character study of Aquaman, where he's like, oh, is Aquaman like this? No. Okay, so who is Aquaman? But it's defining a character, but def- by defining who he isn't. And I mean, the book. I think it the- is how I figure out what a clutch is. <laughs> the. To me, the book looked beautiful. It's well drawn. It's it's one of the best Aquaman books I've seen. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in where it's going, and if it held on to that, uh, I'm going to be like Batman, but the Aquaman. I'm going to be the Batman of the sea, just like Charlie's the tuna. But like he's like so he's he's trying to keep himself disguised. He's trying to stay under the radar. So he brings in, like, this swarm of fish, and then he beats up these guys in the swarm of fish. Nobody knows it who mm-hmm. it is. And then they're like, oh, it's the mythological so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool that he's going to be kind of playing things from the, hey, the yeah. background. An and the whole time, the whole time yeah. you have the new king being like, ooh, we can't have that. Ooh, he's doing this. I don't believe it. I'm going to – I've set up uh, mobsters in the – lower depths to take care of this and they can't do it but then at the end of the book it's like eh, nah, never mind I couldn't read this <laughs> I tried it's a gorgeous book but it's very wordy it's very dense and I don't think this is a good jumping on point because you're just reading like Atlantean politics and I feel like if, no if you haven't been no, I, yeah, keeping I, up on Aquaman like you're just coming in and it's a bunch of people talking about shit that doesn't really mean anything to you because you're not you Aquaman. Like, but it, the the book is beautiful. It's like, beautiful. The it's fantastic. But this was not the Aquaman for me, and that's sad because it's so good looking. Wait a second, Atlantean politics. Oh, <laughs> Paul just got West Wing. He's gonna read it. Wait a second. How much was there Russian meddling in the Aquaman? Well, you have. <laughs> Uh, politics. <laughs> What's his name? Like Val- Volko. 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 Yeah. Ooh. So you got Volko Ooh. in there. Ooh. So there is Russian med- meddling. I'm so interested. But yeah, it's maybe if I had been keeping up on Aquaman, like it would have meant something more. But it, it's telling it to me is like Aquaman's dead, and then on the next page is like, no, that's fucking no. Aquaman yeah. right there. Like, uh, well, there's. You, you mean like Grant Morrison was so upset about Batman making cave drawings during the death of Batman? <laughs> But Batman said you can't even let him be dead for a month. But no, that was that was in the plan, and this is selling me like something that I know what it is. Okay, uh, I agree. Like, and like I was saying, like, oh, I'm gonna be to the shadows. It's like the book doesn't know what it's supposed to be or mm-hmm. how it's doing it. And I said like a jumping on point because it's letting you know previously, basically what. Uh, this is all what's happened yeah. before, and now this is what, where it's going to go for. It is wordy, and I'm it, usually it's one, a lot to get. I'm usually one who's like, ah, I hate reading. Screw comic books. It's <laughs> too much reading. But I, I actually was brought in a little bit, and I think some of it was me forcing the fact that I kind of want to read this book for the art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pay attention to it. But at the end, when he just was like, I'm Aquaman, I'll take you as you girl. And then I'm like, oh, then Mira's like, Aquaman's alive, I'm going back. 
then it's like, oh, it's going to be a weird love triangle? Yeah. That's See, stupid. I thought that was his mother, because it looks like from the last time that I bought Aquaman, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, his his mother's still alive. We've never talked about her before. Here she is. I and thought she, she was dead. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, because that's the whole point. Like, Aquaman's story is that she dies, bring him to the surface to meet uh, Mr. Curry, whatever they, his name is, they the lighthouse operator. They and then, And then, uh... No, no, no. Because he's in, he's in Atlantis. Yeah, besides the bite, like, he's then, half human. No, he's an Atlantean that could breathe air. Because he's like, half human. He's half human. That's where he got last name Curry. Father is the is his father. Lamp the. Uh, wait a second. Eight years of a podcast, and you didn't know that. No, because I always thought he was an Atlantean that was born different, and that because he's half human. He's half human. <laughs> then he was don't, raised on Earth. <laughs> don't close one of your eyes at me. <laughs> I'm closing one of my eyes at. You. So I'm so unsure of this. I always thought he was like one of the mutants that were born, and the only way to save him was to bring him up to the surface. So he all right, be moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Paul, but it's okay. What happened? What happened to you? I don't know about Aquaman. Apparently. Uh, so, you, do you want to get... Ooh, why do, did it go back to... Let's do Aquaman. Batman 25. Yeah, it's the other DC, and then we're over at Marvel, right? Well, no, because we have uh, the Forge book. Oh, like yeah. Dark Knight's Metal. That's what I was going right, yeah. Let's oh. Well, let's talk about the uh, other book. I'm sorry. It, it, which one are we talking about? Batman. Oh, Every time a, I open Batman, it takes me back to Aquaman for some uh, reason. No, it's because they have a, a thing that, at the end of the book. You're just they? opening to the end of the book. Okay, Batman that's what's 25. happening. <laughs> the start you. of Riddler, really freaked out. Riddles and Jokes War. Uh, and this is uh, Tom King, and uh, I don't know his first name, but his last name is... Michael Jannon. Jannon. He was the artist on Nightwing for a while. Uh, well, not Nightwing, it was when it was Grayson. Grayson. Which I was going to say, the, the book looks good. This yeah. is Riddler and the Joker figuring out that both want to kill Batman, but neither of those two characters can allow each other to kill Batman because, because if, it'll drive the other one insane. Yeah, uh, Joker can't laugh because Batman's ruined his joke mm-hmm. because everything because a punchline has to be unpredictable, and Batman can predict anything, and a riddle has to be unsolvable but Batman can always solve any riddle and the Riddler can't solve Batman. the Batman's riddle mm-hmm. uh, and it's the it's telling the book is telling the tale of the Riddler escaping uh, very Hannibal lectury. they're using him to help solve crimes which allows him to gain information to use against the prison staff to allow him basically just to walk out. Not only any crimes, but the crimes that Joker's committing. And he's figured it all out, at which point he finally turns in all the goodwill that he's built. Like, hey, uh, I'm going to help you solve this crime, you know, uh, guard so-and-so, but you got to tell me a little bit about the other guards. And so, so he uses all those that information, the that information out, to- about the guards... To, to basically walk to basically out. just walk out of prison, mm-hmm. uh, and the Joker is he's killing people at joke shops. He's killing people at comedians, comedians like, at a stand up night. Yeah. Uh, he's doing everything he can, almost breaking his back 
when uh, Cabby tells him a shitty joke and he just kills him mid-driving to mm-hmm. crash into a fountain. Well, the Joker tells the Cabby it's a shitty joke. And the Cabby starts laughing and says, that's funny. And then the Joker kills him saying, no, it's not no, funny. It's not. Uh, to come to a head where the Riddler says, I've solved it, you can't you can't laugh unless you kill the joke or kill Batman. I can't enjoy my life being so mm-hmm. smart, knowing knowing that I didn't kill the Batman. Let's work together mm-hmm. where the Joker shoots the Riddler in the gut and just being like That wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. And then walks away from it. With then the overall person telling the story who from the beginning to the end towards the end you don't realize it's Batman telling the story it sounds more like it's a police detective or a reporter yeah I almost felt like it was a it was actually the Riddler out of time telling it much looking back on it Uh, and he's telling it to Catwoman post-Quaitis well or because they, they he proposed to her, so yeah. they're like engaged. Wait, you're not supposed to have sex before marriage, though. So you don't have sex right away. Just because you get engaged, what? You got, you got married the wrong way. Oh, I got no. I didn't get married backwards. <laughs> got to make sure the the milk ain't sour. Anyways, um, Batman. I I really like Batman now that David Finch has been removed from the picture because that's why I stopped buying Batman. I've been buying Batman monthly since I got into comics, and that's when we had the Jim Lee hush run. Mm-hmm. I started buying Batman, and I kept on for years and years and years until we had the Rebirth relaunching, and it was Tom King with David Finch, and I was like, I. I can't do David Finch art. He's one of those artists that I just I can't read. Put a bookmark in that for when we talk about uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I I really enjoyed this. It's great because it's one of those things where it's a. It reminded me of the Batman animated series where you're watching a Batman story that doesn't have Batman in it until the very end, and then he's just like, "How do I pick up the pieces from this?" Mm-hmm. And and now I'm in. It's, it's got my attention. Uh, yes, I will be picking up 26. Good. Thank you. The only thing is at the end when it's like Batman in bed with Catwoman, Catwoman and he calls her Cat. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call her like Selina. And then he's like, nobody knows me. Not even you. And I'm like, ah, you're kind of a dick. Yeah. Batman's kind of a dick. <laughs> he is kind of a dick. But the story between the two, and then that splash page of the war that happens between it, and you see a bunch of the rogues, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a Batman rogue war? Call me in. Yeah, because suckered. Plus, the two of them, I think the Riddler versus the Joker like this, for Gotham, I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm so in. And that moment where, like, Batman's like, he was gut shot. He only had moments to live. I, I chased them. down the Joker instead. Because I can I, save a lot more people. I left him. And then he's like, I, I lost them both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's like, ugh, man. It's good. I pick up number two. We're going to talk about a Batman book right right after this, which 
I could crumple up. I wish I didn't have a digital copy, because I would crumple it up, and I would throw it in a dumpster! Not my dumpster. I pay money for that dumpster. I I don't care. Uh, do do we want to talk about Dark Days the Forge, or do you want to get into Nibble Giant first? Well, uh, let me... About can halfway. I talk about the... the yeah, we'll let you, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, thank you. Uh, I do okay. like the <laughs> I do okay. like the comparison of the Joker, who's always setting ba- up Batman for the unexpected punchline, where Riddler's always trying to set up Batman for the logical expected punchline. Like that's a riddle is a joke that is expected versus a, a joke which is a punchline that is unexpected. So I do like their pairing. Uh, I don't think it can ever be. The rogues gallery is the rogues gallery. And this feels like Batman trying to retread that. Uh, and talking about retreading, let's try to retread Hawkman's continuity once again with uh, DC Presents The Forge, or Dark Days, or whatever it's called, The Forge. Dark Days, The Forge. And this is leading into the building for six years... We didn't know about it until it was announced that, like, no, this is what they've been building towards. The Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo return to Batman with the metal crossover. And this is telling... I'm sorry, I don't think you pronounced that right. Can you try to... No, it's it's metal. No, it's the metal! No, I... Might come as news to listeners of the show. I fucking love metal music. This is just metal. Oh, this isn't... Yeah, this this isn't... isn't... No. Wait, how Uh, would you... Okay, Chris... This is soft serve bullshit. Yeah. How do you, how do you pronounce metal that is actually metal? Oh, I can't do that right now. Oh, okay. Um, but I this, don't want to wake up the neighborhood. Written by Scott Snyder with James Tinian the Fourth, the writers that we've been loving on Batman since they launched the new Fifty Two, like mm-hmm. four or five years ago, uh, art by Jim Lee, Adam Kubert, thumbs up for both and, those artists, and John Romita Jr. Oh, I listed them in order of like my excitement to see them on the pages because there's no like okay this artist handles this section this one handles this it's literally like they're trading off on pages and there's such a disconnect between the artwork that it was it was kind of jarring in spots and then I would be like okay this is a Ghibli page hey look it's Duke Thomas and Green Lantern I like these pages and then it's like oh now I'm looking at Alien like. It's well, not even at least, again. at least it's not even story. At beats. least John Romita yeah. is segregated to the middle of the book. But as and soon as I'm, his artwork starts, you're like, oh god! As soon as he, as soon as his artwork took over, and you saw the Fortress uh, of Solitude. No, as soon, yeah, as soon as you saw uh, Mr. Terrific, I was like, okay, so I'm stop. I'm not going to read this anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna I, take a pause. I don't mind Adam Cooper at all. Like he's he's not a bad artist. He does a good typical superhero comic book. It, and the the Adam Kubrick in this is very Jim Lee esque. Because mm-hmm. I not that I'd be like oh I'm hard pressed to tell who's who, but it is just a step down from Jim Lee art in this. And you're like, oh, okay. Adam Kubrick, it's it's actually it's it's actually really good good from him. Mm-hmm. The Kubrick brothers is one of them who I think is not great great, uh, but I think Adam's okay. But I do not I, I 
I've made my point very clear on previous episodes that I do not think John Romita Jr. should be as highly acclaimed comic book artist as he is. He is awful, and he is jarring in this book. He takes you out of it, and that's not to go with where this story goes and how shitty it is. Oh, the story though, honestly, the story's bad. Right from James, from Scott Snyder and James Tinian, I was expecting something more. That's because the reason they I fall, bought this. They fall fallen into the trap that I have think that I have thought has killed many a comic book writer over at DC. Is we solved Hawkman. There is no solving Hawkman. Hawkman is a shit character. Hawkman just died. He had a book that was like yeah. Hawkman's death. Just and they kill him every time because his backstory is so convoluted and makes no sense. Stop trying to make sense of it. And here we are again trying to make sense. Well, of it. I don't think this is so much them trying to make sense of who Hawkman is and what his story is, but just using him as the, the vessel cipher. to bring in the like the metal, which mm-hmm. is the key of this. It's like there's something wrong with the metals in the DC universe. It's all it's all connected. There's something wrong with the core of the earth. It's the but metal. It's, is there something wrong with nth metal? There's something wrong. So like just like thrown on there that I was like I okay like this could be a story, but the way it's been presented to me is no, I don't care. Like okay, fine, you can introduce it to me with Hawkman because yeah, it makes sense. Like. He used the nth metal that came to Earth from the aliens, and now shit's fucked. Like, okay, that's fine. But everything that's happening in this book, it's like, I I don't care, and I feel bad because I feel like I should. I've done nothing but love Scott Snyder on Batman for, like, the past five years, and now here I am, like, Mm -hmm. and the fact that this was sold to me haphazardly, artwork-wise... No, like, the the part of this book I like the best is Hal Jordan appearing in the Batcave, Duke Thomas being like, get out of here! And he's like, no, fucking Green Lantern. Let me let me do my shit. I'm going to hang you up on a coat. And then, and then that part of the book's over. And, um, yeah, and then you get the worst drawing of Green Lantern in an awful drawing. There's a weird drawing of Batman, too, where, like, the proportions are really off oh, the mask. What about his Superman? His yeah. Superman is the worst ever. It's worse than... Mm-hmm. A manga, fastly that, drawn, crazy art. That is where the art fell apart for me. I'm not, I'm not sure who drew it, but I John Romita. Oh, John Romita drew it. Okay, it's well, John Romita. If there's bad in a book that says John Romita on the cover, it's John Romita that did the bad art. Oh, that's oh, the part. Junior. Junior. Yeah, not the Spider-Man suit guy. Uh, I. I I don't know where DC wants to go anymore. Do they want to be telling stories in from the DC cinematic universe? Because apparently we're going to get a new Wonder Woman series from James Robinson talking about uh, Wonder Woman's brother, which everybody's up in arms about after the how great the movie's been doing. And then see that, yeah. And then there's this book which is telling the story of Batman like trying to figure out the I'm guessing it's the cosmic uh, the multiverse array 
some like, type of there's he's trying to solve some other the, type and then you they, because at the very end of the book it looks like a um the king of comics uh Kirby? Kirby Kirby it's a Kirby dev- it looks like a Kirby device it looks That's, like it the, looks like the tower from um the original Crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earths yeah. yeah exactly which all the characters get tied up in and then so it's like Green Lantern is also then in the Bat Cave trying in, to whoa whoa not in the Bat Cave he's in the Bat Cave inside of a Bat Cave because bro Batman's like exhibit Yo, he's heard. Yo, bro, you hear he's got another cave inside a cave? <laughs> no, that's Mark Wahlberg. I was talking about Exhibit. I know, but I can't. Liked. I can just. I he can... heard that you like bat caves, so you put a bat cave inside of your bat cave because you like bat caves, bro. Chris does not like it. It's that. such oh, a dated no. reference. I'm just like, why did you go like, down this road? It's in the bat old. cave. Because Paul continue. loves Exhibit. <laughs> but he. He finds that the that Batman has had the Joker locked away in his in the mm-hmm. Batcave, which then I'm like, hey, I got this before riddles and jokes. He let the Joker out. But, I don't know, but there's different Jokers. Yes, they did. So, like they, the, yeah. the thing we didn't read where there's three Jokers. No, we we read most of that though because oh, it was introduced in. The pages of the. I know we gave Dan DiDio shit, but man, he at least tried to tie continuity all in together and like try to keep a cohesive. Dan DiDio's run on DC, I think that's where we loved DC. DC. He killed characters with unabandoned, but at least he tried to keep but he's, one central line. But he's still at DC, so I don't know what your point here is, Paul. Well, I, he doesn't have the editorial control like he did before. But he's he, still doing what he's, he's been doing. I feel like... I feel, not knowing anything about what is actually going on there, in, that in the he's letter, a step away from it. And that's, and that's what in, I think. In the letter at the back... Uh, where is it here? Um, strategically, Dan Didi and I have talked a long time about bringing the artists back to the table and the genesis of big epic events. Uh, this creation was just for that, and the level of collaboration was truly invigorating and electrifying. It's he's still doing what he's been doing. He, he was it's talking just about, we didn't see the culmination of it in this this issue. Right. He was talking about bringing a bunch of artists, and for whatever reason, Dan Didio decided to bring on John. Ramita but Jr. that's the thing, like. People like him. I have no. I really have no idea why. It's yeah. it's bad art. <laughs> I uh, would take Finch Fincher art Finch, over David Finch over Ramita art. Guys, uh, when we got to the thing about letting him out of the box, who met? How many characters did you flash to thinking who was in that little thing? Because it's. Because I looked it up because I wasn't sure if it was Red Tornado or Plastic Man. Oh, it's and Plastic Man. It's, yeah. I had to look that up, though. Oh. No, because he's, he's got the diamond and, like, the stripe pattern on him. Right. Well, that's how I learned it was Plastic Man. But I thought, oh, because it's metal. So I was thinking, oh, a s- synthetic character that I haven't seen in a while. Oh, it's Red Tornado. And then... Uh, then when it was turned out to be Plastic Man, I'm like, oh, because it's not metal. 
I I thought it was Plastic Man because this was teased to bring back Plastic Man. Like oh. I saw a thing that was. Oh, like, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was a thing where um, I saw the red and black, and I thought Scott maybe. Snyder and there's like a video of Scott mm-hmm. Snyder and Jim Lee talking about stuff, mm-hmm. and then. Um, there was another thing where they were then being interviewed and they mentioned like Plastic Man like they they ruined it themselves where I was like oh okay it must so be I Plastic was, when I read it I was like oh it must be Plastic Man one third of the podcast thought it might be Plastic Man or Red Tornado I was really hoping Red Tornado I was very disappointed when I heard it was Plastic and Man and like in the in that interview thing too they talked about like the metal man and stuff like that so it's like oh okay it's gonna be a lot about that i didn't get that from this book i that's this is the precursor to the event batman metal yeah this is like the zero issue to i know but it was just like but here's the thing when metal number one comes out by greg capullo and scott snyder Here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to read that book. Are you going to buy that book? I probably will. Are you? Base, I because mean, this book I bought for $4.99 and it mm. punched me in the balls. But here's the thing. For a dollar. John Reeves not going to be on that book. I I, I don't have a lot going it was a, out of this It was but. a quote-unquote like extra issue. I, I bought this knowing that it was the precursor to... Uh, whatever the you know whatever this run was going to be, I feel like I'm going to get better delivery out of. Uh, I could barely finish this. It was mm-hmm. work to get through the Ramita art, and then towards the end, I did not care what was going to happen. If you're going to buy the next issue, God love you. Like as much as I love Scott Snyder for what he did for Batman for the last. What four years? I don't. I don't know. I, unless you buy it and we do it for look back, I don't think Which I would. I, care. I think we would. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be a look back book. But that's why I bought this, and I got I got kicked in the nuts. I got America America's funniest videos right in the crotch. Right. What's What's our next book? Then? Our next book is Nimble Giant. Oh, it's Drugs? a beer. This is a beer that we had last year, not on the show. This is something that I bought special oh. for my two best men for my wedding that we had uh, at my rehearsal dinner. This is also a beer that I had and said, "Well, I can just split a can with these guys. I don't need to give them a can each." But yes. your dog doesn't like my picks for, for the uh, monthly movie bracket. <laughs> no, if he has something he can rip up, he'll, he'll rip it up. If He's ruined one. many a game tile. Mm-hmm. Which, but this is actually a beer that I said. I have hey, a picture of it on my phone. So hey, I, that out. I love these guys. I will share Nimble Giant with them. And this year's Nimble Giant, I think, doesn't shy away from. Hey, I got a match. Find the giant. It doesn't shy away from the fact that this is a 9% double IPA, 60 IPUs, that drinks... 69. It is 69 IBUs. But it drinks like a 2% beer. It's got a nice juiciness on mm-hmm. the hop. Like, oh, yeah. This is a great beer. It's delicious. This is, it's so easy drinking. It is, it a, is so dangerous. It's a troublemaker. And Chris, not- you're drinking a tall boy in the room with us. Hey. In a cup cozy. 
That's our thing now. That's You're I, part I of the I've thing. I think I've heard it on the show. <laughs> uh, no, this is one of those great beers that I uh, have to say it's, it's delicious. I really like. I wish uh, I, I, I bought a four four packs of this. And I keep on looking like oh, maybe I should have bought all of for a full case. But you know what? We're basically drinking in a four pack right now. And I'm happy with that. You I have, have two. two empties in this room. <laughs> because I, it's so good. It is good. I it's have to it's easy it to is super. I go downstairs into the basement and I'm like, what should I drink tonight? Well, I got Nimble Giant. It, that's worth it. It's it's super crushable. I um I brought a four pack home. I gave Oh, it's just one to one. One to each of us. I didn't give one to my wife. There's one if my wife wants to have one, quote unquote. But yeah, this is something that this is a great sharing beer mm. for a four pack that runs thirteen ninety nine. This is this is pool party beer. This is summer beer. It's got a light hoppiness all the way through. It leaves you with that hazy, like particle-y hop, like taste on the on your tongue for the aftertaste. But while drinking it, it's so smooth. You're just like, and there's yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Reason. And then you get halfway through a can, and you're like, I probably shouldn't drive. Somebody take my keys. <laughs> there's a and there's a reason it's called Nimble Giant because it, it is a big beer. It's nine percent. It catches and a, you and it's nimble. Drink it way too fast. It you, catches up with you. It it does. It's a great IPA. I try to sell this as hard as I can in my beer store, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, why aren't people buying this? Why aren't people buying this? I keep telling people, you should buy this IPA, and they're like, oh, I'm just going to buy something else. And I'm like, you're wrong. You mm-hmm. need to buy this. It's such a good beer. Um, I like it. Yeah. We're two hours in. So what other books did we have? We have Darth Vader. Oh, Darth Vader, number one. Darth Vader, number one. And we can talk about number two, because yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and this is Charles by Soleil. Charles Soule. Soule, yeah. And uh, Giuseppe... Camicoli. Camicoli. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. And this Great. is a young Darth Vader. This is right after... This, 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 is, this is right after I stepped off the slab and went, no. This is during while I'm saying no. This is... It starts with no, 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 and he slams Emperor Palpatine into a wall, which I don't think happened in the series. But I'm not going to go back and watch Episode Three to make sure that actually it happened or not. But it happened right after credits. Oh, uh, and Palpatine or Pappy is very upset with Annie, Grandpa Pappy, <laughs> uh, that he touched him with the Force, and he basically. Explains a whole new mythology of the kyber crystals in the lightsabers. And this is something that I've never heard before. This is something that's actually been touched on in some of the more recent Star Wars novels, where the lightsabers are basically like living entities, the, like the, the kyber crystal. The kyber crystals. Like it feeds on the emotion and the will of the Jedi around it, you and mean that's the why, lightsaber cha- uh, chooses the Jedi. Uh, actually. If you watch the first season of Jedi Rebels, yes, 
<laughs> it does. So it's uh, but too. also then that's why the Jedi have like the different colors, but then all the Sith ones are red because it feeds off the hate and the rage. Like so it basically like it causes the kyber crystal to bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they're all red. And that's why um, Ahsoka Tano, when she's on Star Wars Rebels, when she comes back from Clone Wars, she has white lightsaber crystals because they've actually been like cleansed of the bleed. That's because they're taken from Sith. Oh. But yeah, it, it's lightsaber history. It, it's not something that I necessarily like and agree with because before in the expanded universe, the lightsaber crystals were just, they were crystals. Like, mm-hmm. as part of their training, the Jedi went out, they found them. They got them from, like, the Kyber Crystal Mines. That's what they had. And then the Sith all had red ones because they actually used synthetic crystals because they destroyed all the temples and the mines where the crystals were actually taken Mm -hmm. from. So theirs were all basically fake crystals, hence the same color. And I, coming from this school of uh, KOTOR, uh, Knights of the Old Republic video games, where you would find the crystals and then pick whichever color you wanted, uh, but... Supposedly, or Jedi like power battles, or yeah. each each one was like okay. If you were green crystal, then you were a Jedi. Like sent, uh, you were what it was a sentinel, sentinel, mm-hmm. which was you focused more on the you know uh, actual uh, force. If you were a blue lightsaber crystal, then you were more of the Jedi guardian, which meant you were more focused on the lightsaber battling versus the force. And, you know, and each color. Well, also, like, you know, had different meaning. Mace Windu had a purple one, and that was because Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson purple. He, he told mm-hmm. George Lucas, like, I want a purple one because I want to make sure I can see it from afar. Well, and, also, he was like, it's a combination of blue and red. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's a badass. And then, so then they worked out the... Uh, Mace Windu was someone who could tap into the dark side for fighting his fighting style. Mm-hmm. That's why he was considered such a great fighter. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He has a purple lightsaber. I'm talking about great fighters. We're seeing that Darth Vader has to go and create his own lightsaber. He has to get a, a crystal from a Jedi he and defeats. corrupt it mm-hmm. in a fight. And it seems like by issue two, we learned that there's one Jedi left that has taken the vow no, of... It's, it's a Jedi... He purposely searches for a Jedi who wouldn't have been involved in Order, in 66. Order 66. Like, he breaks down. He knows what to look for to find that guy. A guy that decided not to follow the Jedi Order, but is Force-sensitive, that would have been a Jedi at some point, so he would have had a lightsaber. Uh, but somebody... That is super skilled in fighting, because that is his one mission. His connection with the Force has led him to fighting. Because you know we 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 need a good heavy heavyweight knockout fight. And this is Vader basically going through and just killing shit. He's it's Vader just being a badass. It's after. Basically, the end of issue one. Towards the end, he well, like at the end of issue one, it's basically Vader, Rogue One, when he's going down that hallway and just killing people with the Force and like maybe chopping one person or two people with his lightsaber. That's this is the extended cutscene of Rogue One with Vader into until he gets the saber. 
yeah. Issue one left me wanting more. And when issue two came out in the same month, I was like, all right, I'll grab it. I'm not buying... I'm pretty much not buying anything because I've... Hmm. Nothing's piquing my interest. Half the reason why I grabbed Aquaman because I was like, yeah, it seems like a... Seems like it might get good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I've been missing out on everything that's been happening with Green Arrow. Because Green Arrow seems like it's been doing good, but I haven't gotten around to buying that. Keeping up with this, the action of Darth Vader in issue two just kind of like coming on to a Imperial... Imperial like satellite kind of thing and then being like oh we can send like his computer being like oh we can send them uh our they had landing the, they had the clearance code our clearance and he's like no kills everybody in spaceships mm-hmm. which i'm sad because it gave me two characters that i absolutely loved with ding and kicker the clone troopers that are basically just there to like help destroy like confiscated Jedi relics, and they're just like they're just two dudes like working in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe. I was like, I want to see more of these. They get killed by Vader. Spoilers, but mm-hmm. I was like, I would like read like the, the ding, ding and kicker, kicker. one yeah. shot, like because oh, yeah. it's legit. Like just hey, we're in this for because it's the strategy. Here they discontinued the clone program. What's up with that? Like we had like these like these two kind of characters back when like. They knocked out Boba Fett and had somebody else dress up as Boba Fett that gets killed in the Sarlacc pit. Pit. These these were char- like they're like characters that were the ne'er do wells of the Stormtroopers Star Wars universe mm-hmm. back when they were at Dark Horse. We've read we read a book with them. They're like the Bill and Ted of the Star Wars universe. Okay. And yeah, they were fun. They were great. And they're like, hey, if we can take this guy down. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll be heroes. We'll because, be heroes. We can become Imperial Guards. We'll be the coolest. Yeah, we'll be in those red suits. It has fun to this book with Vader being bad ass. He's a straight man. It, it's Vader being like, no, I'm going to kill everybody. And then like the computer being like, uh, are you sure? Boo, 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 boo. Yeah, just kill everyone. I'm sure. He's like, I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna I can lock on. Do you want me to turn on the uh, turbo lasers on the back? He's like, no. I know where they are. I can feel them. I got this. Boom, boom, boom. Dead. It's Vader being super badass. It's what you want. And don't worry, guys. In a Vader, I got Vader in my sights. He can only control that grenade and keep it from exploding. He can't stop our bullets. He can't attack us with the force because he's so preoccupied. He's a Jedi. And then Vader's being like, dude, force joke. I'm no Jedi. Plus, plus keeping the grenade from blowing up in my face because I'm I'm freaking Vader. I'm badass. I I, I really dug this book. Uh, Artwork, and it's keeping in line with the rest of the Star Wars stuff we've had where it's... It's solid. It's solid. It's action-packed. It's fun. Uh, The likenesses are there. I mean, Vader's Vader. You can't not draw Vader. But even Palpatine, even though it's a comic book version of him, you can still tell it's him. The 
there was one moment in the conversation between Vader and Palpatine in issue one that I was like, that seems like it's coming out of Vader's mouth, but it seems like it should be coming out of Palpatine's mouth. Like, but right. I was like, I don't know, I don't. Know. I don't I'm care. gonna. I want to go back and I see what that is now. Um, like that the, could have just been like an issue with a letter. I too. always felt like those scenes between Vader and Palpatine were a little holy musical Batman, Star Kid, like Pappy and Vader though. Like oh, you gotta use your rage, you gotta use your anger, there, Annie, to to really fuel your uh, dark side force. And I don't know. I, I I like. It's good. I don't need it though. Like it's it's a pure it's a filler. I'm gonna have the need. talk with you now. We don't need any of these yeah. books though, Paul. <laughs> if true. you settle down with it, man, we don't need to read any of these. But we like to, and this yeah. this was fun. That was fun. That I I liked reading. I I'd buy issue three. I guys, bought issue one and two. Yeah. Do you guys like it more than middle manager ba- uh, than middle I, manager Dark Sader? It's very. I can't say I liked it more because I feel like this is we're seeing Vader be, becoming Vader. Like this yeah. is we go from him being Anakin, I, I hate sand, oh Padme, eh, to Vader. Now we have him. Kind of becoming the badass. Come on, Disney. Can't no, you just wipe out the prequels? The, I, I'm no. sure if they could, they if, have enough money. If they could, they would. They wiped off the so- songs of the South. <laughs> Why not here, the prequels? The, like we have the badass Vader now, and we're seeing him kind of become that middle management Vader that we get in the Darth Vader comic book that came out, mm-hmm. like over the last two years. Like this is him finding his place, and then just kind of being relegated to that and now I feel like when I get to see him in Rogue One that, that's basically like a good day for him because he's like I get to kill people again like <laughs> yeah. well yay there are with this is the Disney this is the Disney version of Darth Vader which is the best version of Darth Vader because I've I've bought Okay, dark, I've dark, I've bought Dark Horse comics Vader when it's like, oh, this is Vader after after the prequels, before the movies, where it's him hunting down Jedi's, yeah. and then I'd read it and I'd be like, this looks awful. This is poorly written. Mm-hmm. This is not good at all. This is well written. This is well drawn. This is what we really like the Brian Wood Dark Horse version of. Yeah, but you're stepping out. That one had killer art, which is the first time a Dark Horse Horse book had killer art. And it was the first time it had a killer writer on it. Yeah. And yeah, the, the Brian Wood fits more into the. Disney line of bringing in good artists mm-hmm. and writers to do these Star Wars books, where our biggest complaint was great concept, poorly executed, poorly drawn. Right. This uh, is this is delivering that, and we had what um what was it when the when Dark Horse finally lost the rights to Disney, they had had Star Wars. For like what, almost eighteen years? They had it. Oh my gosh! 
It was it was longer than it, that because they had the original comic books coming out from Marvel. They had the Marvel ones, but it's when been, Dark Horse took over them, they had them. I think almost they had Star Wars Legacy. They it had was Star Wars Max it was, was a real, like, it older, was in older. the high teens. Yeah, how many years they had? It, had I them. want it was probably over twenty because I remember being a little kid and my stepbrother having some of the comics that were telling the story of like Luke battling like Emperor Palpatine's clone. Yeah, that were Dark Horse mm-hmm. comics. So I mean it. They Dark Horse had them for years, and in some way, they had a great thing and didn't do it justice. I feel with these Marvel books, they're doing Star Wars justice. We've tried countless times, I believe all of us, to try to pick up those Star Wars books and get into them because we've heard good things and been like, no, I bought this one issue and I'm... Yeah. Did we run out of toilet paper? I have something to use. These, I think, they're they're nailing it. I would buy issue three. I'd buy issue four. You bought, you know, Darth Vader middle management. This is Darth Vader. I'm kicking ass. This is this is a Darth Vader on his way up the corporate ladder. Yeah. Well, it's Darth Vader not even caring. Oh, it's he like, doesn't. He just wants like, to. Kill. What's I'm, my What's my next level? All right, bring I it. bring it. My I'll only it complaint about the Disney slash Marvel Star Wars books is there's too many of them right now because mm-hmm. they're all good. John, you bought the Lando trade paperback. I downloaded that. I, re- I was reading it on my flight here. It's such a great book. We read the first one for a look back when we it read came the out. first issue. We didn't finish. It's such the a great book. But that's that's it. A lot of mm-hmm. these are just. One and dones. They're not continue. They're not continuously. Yeah, because the uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader's this. over. A lot of them are over. Mm-hmm. Chewbacca, all those. Yeah, but those are and then, made to be like that kind of like. Yeah. Hey, here's a here's a quick adventure for this character, and I feel like Which that's the, because they can tell that story, and it doesn't have to like fit in anywhere specifically in continuity. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we have this Vader story leading up to his appearances in Rogue One after Episode Three, but. That, that's all we need. Like that's fine. If this was like a mini series, limited series, I don't know what it is. If it ended after five issues, I'm okay with it because I got I got that glimpse of Vader leading mm-hmm. into this. I know where the story's continuing and going. And Marvel's okay with it because they can take those five issues, trade it up, put it on a shelf at Barnes and Noble, and sell it to you for nineteen ninety nine. And I feel like that's what they've done with anything like their the Marvel Star Wars stuff that's launched. I think the only one that's still going on is Star Wars, Star Wars yeah. one, and they had a plan for oh, that. Poe Dameron, but like but Poe Dameron started, yeah, almost a year after the Star Wars. Right, Poe's still pretty fresh, and I mean, but it's still going. But here's it's the ongoing like, that has. It's only like yet. on issue what between six and ten, right? I don't know. I don't know. Like they, they can do this though. Like, oh, they so can start check on it. Right now we have ago. like the I doctor. We have the Doctor Afro book mm-hmm. coming out, which is a spin-off of Darth Vader. There was a crossover between Darth Vader and the Star Wars book, like where it was like concurrently running. Mm-hmm. Like you had to buy part one is in Star Wars, two is in Vader, three is in Star Wars. And now we have an Afro book spinning out of that. They're they're doing everything right. Yeah. And I I feel like we do need to mention one more thing quick, because oh, okay. in the back of 
Darth Vader number one, we had the short story No Good Deed, oh. uh, written and drawn by Chris Eliopoulos. Which are which is the story of a of a mouse droid in service to Darth Vader who has Chris repaired. Eliopoulos, I'm I don't read backup stories. I saw it was Chris Eliopoulos on art and writing, and I'm like, I'm sticking around. It's like if it was an end credit scene i would be like it's a great stinger is this a marvel one or is this like any uh, is this a fast yeah. and furious one? Oh, fast and furious i'm leaving i need to use the restroom this one i'll hold it uh but yeah this is a mouse droid that's been tasked with preparing vader's like hyperbolic like forced meditation chamber and every time he starts someone else comes onto the bridge and starts talking to vader and then he has to drag <laughs> the dude's body away and then he's like Get rid of this body. And why haven't you gotten my batha tank ready? <laughs> and the best thing about this, if you're not familiar with Chris Eliopoulos' art, it's very Calvin and Hobbes-esque, just with the way that he draws everybody. And it's just such a departure from what you saw before with Vader. Mm-hmm. It's much more like that, hey, here's a lighter fun take on it, while Vader's still like force-choking people left and right. Uh, I think this uh, story comes with a very important, uh, not theme, but uh, what what is it called? Like a line witch in the wardrobe. It's a uh, a parable. Yeah, Uh, Vader's a dick. Yeah, don't cross him. No, when when you're given a compliment, don't let it go straight to your head. Mm. Because if you do, it'll overtake you. It'll line the witch in the wardrobe you. I was yeah. I was kind of sad then, we didn't have another one in Vader too, <laughs> and then Vader will crush you. Like, just take the compliment. Be cool, man. Stay cool. Don't go all Fly crazy casual. and run. Don't run into Vader's foot. Uh, and that's why that's kind of why I wanted to do too, and not because of the oh the backup the backup. Sorry, the backup? Uh, I actually until Chris brought it up forgot about that backup, which was great. But I read but, that when it came out in the beginning of the month. I read it. When issue two came out, I read it, and then I was like, "Well, here's the we thing. should do one and two. Here's the thing with reading one and two. When I got to the end of number one, I was like, oh, my God, that's over already. And I was mm-hmm. glad that I had number two there to continue on the story with because what it, it reads so fast that I'm glad I had two there to kind of give me more. Yeah, but there's a huge... Jump between, like, okay, so he's dropped off there because they're supposedly like a Jedi or something. And no, I, I he got dropped off. He got dropped off of the island or, or on uh-huh. that planet well, your to get his stolen. spaceship, but his spaceship was stolen, and the spaceship was supposed to get him to where he was supposed to go. So he had to go kill the dudes that stole his spaceship, which are like, hey, you can have it back, and then he's like, no, head explode. Yeah. I'm taking this ship. <laughs> And those people are like, so we made a... I was thinking that he would find a Jedi on that we, planet. We chose then, poorly when we, we stole that ship. Yeah. We made so, a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, how would you know? I didn't say poverty of, of Emperor Palpatine or uh, Lord the Vader. The most badass <laughs> dude ever. Nobody knows who Lord Vader is yet. Everybody's like, Anakin Skywalker, oh shit, don't touch, he's oh, the best. You mean Annie Skywalker? <laughs> yeah. The best pod worker in the galaxy? Even at that time, though, everyone thought Anakin was a Jedi, and then he disappeared, so he was assumed dead as part of Order 66. Yeah, exactly. So this Star guy. Wars! It's so good, guys. 
It's you know what again. else is good? Ratings for reviews over on iTunes. I was going to say Nimble Giant, but yeah, that's good too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so leave us a rating and reviews over on iTunes, you know, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you find our podcast. They really do help us get out to more listeners. Uh, if you're home for summer vacation from college, get on your parents' PC and just start downloading our show each and every episode. We really, really appreciate it. Because, you know, we might have younger listeners. I don't know. I don't understand how computers work, so... Uh, you can find us on Instagram, right? Facebook and Twitter? Yeah. All of those platforms. Are we on the Snapchat? No. I don't think we're on the Snapchat. No, no but we just... Uh, I mean, we, we put up right before we recorded uh, last week's episode that, hey, we shared a picture of the three of us together saying, uh, hey, this is eight years for this show. We should take a picture of us actually with eight years on us. Maybe tomorrow. You made a big deal that I didn't have a picture of us. <laughs> yeah, from eight years ago. Because you picked a picture from, like, last year. That's was all two I'm years ago. It wasn't... You did not get married two years ago. It was before our wed- my wedding. Okay. Well, anyways, listeners don't care when you got married. Unless they do. And then they can email us. Where, John? They should have become better friends with me. I would have invited <laughs> them. <laughs> they should email at us at contact at magnumboardcast.com. Hey, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.